in a world where combat sports changes on a dime. Two men cover the happenings of it all. What's up, everybody? Professional Wrestling. We said the wrestling world was going to change. CM Punk is all elite, and honestly, it couldn't have gone better. I think it's possible that Goldberg beats Lashley and that Big E beats Goldberg. Because I don't see Big E beating Roman. I thought ROH was a pile of crap. I think corporate ROH is gross. First of all, the Nick Gage entrance is one of the most insane things I've ever seen in my life. The Edge deal is up next year. Do you think he gets here AEW if he's still healthy? I think that he's a WWE lifer, honestly. Don't forget that the only reason WWE cleared him to begin with was because AEW was going to, and they were trying to sign him. Mixed martial arts. And I think everything leads towards Sandhagen, but I I don't know. I think TJ could surprise some people. choosing Sanhagen, um, especially with his last two performances. The Aldermaine Sterling and Piotr Jan running that back, and the winner of this should definitely get the next title shot. I thought Connor looked fantastic with the kicks. When he got rocked with punches, he went for the guillotine. That was the stupidest move. You hear Dustin after the fight admitted, though, that there was like a second there where he was like, oh god, he might have me. Do you think Peña has a chance against Man Nunez? The card isn't very good, in my opinion. Even the undercard, I don't think is that great. Wayne, Gon, and Lewis could potentially be really boring also. That's possible. Definitely. Jake Paul by knockout, probably pretty early. It's pretty telling when uh, Jake Paul was like, let's put up our purses against one another and Woodley wouldn't do it. I think Tyron Woodley's going to win this fight. He's going to throw combinations at Jake that Jake hasn't seen yet. First off, I'm going to say congratulations to Tyron Woodley for making $2 million. I would like to see Vitor and Jake because I think Vitor would beat Jake's ass. Lafayette Law is so funny that this is the boxing people talk about most instead of the best boxers fighting. This is what boxing has become. The promoters have not allowed the best fighters to fight the best. They protect their own interests, they protect their fighters, and they never let the best fight the best. And there's multiple champions in the same weight class, and they still won't fight each other to unify the belts. And this is what has allowed YouTubers to come in and take over the sport. And much, much more. I have them this weekend. I'm just going to let the board fall to me. Dalvin Cook, Zeke, CMC. Hopefully I can get one of those running backs. I did my draft tonight, as y'all can see with my Vikings jersey on. You have like your really, really top tier wide receivers, but then there's a pretty big drop off. They didn't speak English. So like the UFC like wasn't getting them title fights as fast as people who did speak English. It absolutely was happening for, for a time in the sport. The reason why I brought that up though is because of the Stephen A thing, because I think it's a moronic, a moronic viewpoint to take. Yeah, I mean, we just saw Andre Arlovsky show up on AEW Dynamite. Like, I, Not only that, we've seen Junior Dos Santos, Andre Arlovsky. We've seen Cejudo on Dynamite. We've seen Vitor Belfort on Dynamite. We've seen Jorge Masvidal yeah. and Amanda Nunez. Like, it just, like, the fact that Tony Khan actually just did that. Fightful. 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 Steven Jensen. Yeah, that's the stuff I got going on. Uh, Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Support Fightful and Fightful Select. Doug from RBD Tito for Life. Are we having fun yet? Because this thing has just got taken to a completely different level. Straight, straight from YouTube.com. Live rounds. The Marksman have arrived. Have arrived. Watching live rounds with Doug and Steven and being introduced to you by the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay.
What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Rounds. We're at episode 59, correct? Episode 59, yep. Yeah, all right. We'll get to that 100 soon. Um, thanks for yep. tuning in, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Should be a fun show. Kind of do a little something different. So basically, uh, we just have one main topic, but there are other topics that we are going to discuss. And we're just going to kind of keep this like uh, just free flowing, talk about whatever's going on and uh, see how that goes and give us your feedback if you like it, if you want like only like to kind of corner it down to three main topics or what, but there's so much going on this week. A lot of good stuff to talk about. A lot of stuff to talk about that maybe not just be pro wrestling, some fun stuff. So me and Steven will have a good conversation with you guys tonight. And, and honestly, the way that I kind of view this is, is y'all are a community. You are joining our community to be with us. We have our core group that's with us every single time, and we definitely appreciate you guys. And we welcome anybody in the community. Um, so I, we might try to do a little something different to where if live news goes down, we might make a video on that. So we'll go ahead and discuss that topic. And then live rounds will be more of just like a free-flowing conversation of whatever you guys want to talk about. So, um, And there's always going to be stuff that happens that we we didn't get to that we can always talk about as well. So uh, just thought I'd put that out there. And uh, how are you doing tonight, Stephen? I'm doing pretty good. I uh, had a day of work at the shoot job. You know, did that from uh, 11 to 8. And then... Interviewed Megabyte Ronnie. Uh, that's going to be airing on Fightful's uh, YouTube channel during the spotlight. Myself and Jeremy Lambert this Thursday morning at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. So check that out. I'm a big fan. A lot of people don't know this. I unironically am a big fan of competitive eating. So having him on the show, I got to talk to him a lot about competitive eating, which is really cool. It's, it's, it's unique because he's a guy who's a professional wrestler and also a top 20 ranked competitive eater. So like He's kind of in both those roles that I'm interested in. So uh, so check that out. And uh, and then, yeah, here right now. So been a long day. Eight right between. I mean, I, I texted you right before we went live. I was like, I might be just a little bit late because my uh, my delivery guy got uh, got lost on the way to get me my food tonight. And I scarfed that down super fast so that I can make it for the top of the show today. Also, real quick, before we get into the topics, I... Uh, I made a purchase that I didn't tell you about. I told you I was on the fence about it. I tried to get one and I wound up getting a good deal. Yep. I got some purchases too. So you go ahead and go and then I got some purchases. Let's open the show. Let's open the show. Cause I, yeah, we have, we have, I mean, Amazon prime day just recently happened. Um, yep. You know, there's been a lot of kind of reasons to, to buy stuff right now. Timing is good. Um, and it was kind of perfect timing. Cause I just received this in the mail today and the news came out today and it's on my wall right behind me. Oh, Went ahead and you got, got it. Omega exclusive. Went ahead nice. and got it. I found it. I bought it secondhand, but I got it for. I mean, like on the website, I think it was around fifty bucks plus shipping. So it still want to wind up being about sixty bucks, something like that. That's basically the same as what it is on pro wrestling tees. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like that's what I was seeing it for, like firsthand. And then yeah. um, I wound up getting this for like seventy bucks, and I was like, that's like yep. ten dollars more than off the site. Like that's a no brainer. I'll do it because I I couldn't get one in time on the website. So um so yeah, I got a Kenny Omega, um, AEW shop exclusive, uh, one of three thousand. This is the first I have some exclusives like some Walmart exclusives and stuff like that, but 
this is the first AEW figure that I own. That's like one of the numbered, you know, with the with the sticker in the corner. I know you have a Reho that you got a while back. This is the I first have time. a I have a Jericho as well. I have the Jericho AEW shop exclusive. Oh, nice. I see. I've got like some of that. Well, here that's brings me to my next one that I can bring up right now. Then, uh, because it was Prime Day, got the Amazon exclusive SCU. Cause it was marked down it was like fifty percent off. This was like twenty bucks total. Like they had the no blood and guts set for forty nine ninety five. I almost pulled the trigger on for Prime Day because it was. It's now like sixty nine, and it's basically ringside selling through Amazon, but you get Prime shipping, so that's a big win there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I have more stuff, but you can you can get a few in uh, if you want to show some okay. stuff off, and then we go back to me. This is a good way to start the show off. Just people kind of trickle in. We can show you all the cool stuff we got this past week. So I stopped by Target on the way home from work, and I was able to land. Turn around, Stephen. Sorry, <laughs> I was able to oh. land a Ricky Starks. Nice. So I got Ricky Starks, and I got a Thunder Rosa. Nice. Don't have that yet either. I haven't found that set yet in person. Yep. I was super stoked to find these, and then um, I bought this online for thirty bucks from a guy the mm. Hulk Hogan Survivor Series and the head scan is terrible but I'm, I ordered the ultimate uh, Hulk Hogan from Big Bad Toy Store and so um, I'm going to replace this head with one of those because it comes with three so pretty nice. happy with that my Hogan collection is definitely growing <laughs> yeah um, so and I, I mean, basically, and I'm going to get that no holds barred set, whatever I have to do. It goes on sale this week because San Diego Comic Con is this week. Um, so there's going to be a ton of figure reveals, a lot of exclusives, um, a lot of news, like we're going to find out what's going on with Marvel, DC, um, movies in general. So there's just a lot of stuff to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I guess kind of rounding out the stuff for the week for me. Um, once again, because it was Amazon Prime Day, like bought a lot of stuff on Amazon that was discounted. So I picked up a big dog, Roman Reigns Funko Pop, Amazon exclusive, holding the nice. universal title. I have a lot of uh, pro wrestling Funko Pop, so and I don't, I don't have any Romans, uh, so I had to get at least one for the collection. Also, half off, that was for like eight bucks. It was a uh, tally from South Park. Um, and it's flocked, which it means it's like, you know, got like the, it's a different material, the Funko Pop. It's hard to tell, but it's like kind of like an actual towel type material, which is kind of cool. I got, I won't show the whole set of these, but I got the entire, these were half off too. These, I got this entire set for $30. Every one of these Power Rangers, and they're pretty big, got that whole set for like 30 bucks. Like this, that's, that's dope. This yeah. might be the best comment I've ever seen. <laughs> work from the FBI, the CIA, in Merriweather, and you are under arrest. Okay? <laughs> like, are you bored, bro, or what? Like, okay. Yeah. Sounds I'm gonna good. guess you don't work with the FBI or the CIA. Yeah, I'm not scared. In the chat, though. Yeah, if you want to send a super it. chat, let me sure to read it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this entire set got all got all of these. Um, okay. All the originals. Uh you know, for Mighty Morphin, they all come with weapons and they can assemble all their weapons to create like the gun that they all put together, which is pretty cool. And then the last thing that I got this week, this is from eBay. 
So I already had one of these bad boys, the, uh, you know, the White Ranger Saba Sword, you know, the whole deal. Badass, right? Well, I have finally got the Green Ranger dagger now as well. Oh, so wow. got, got the weapons going. Um, I, I, I got a big Power Ranger uh, display I've been working on. So uh, these will go in my display together. I've had the, the white one for a while. Finally got the green one in person. This was like my favorite toy when I was a kid. And I broke it when I was younger. And I always regretted that. And I always wanted another one. So I finally have one that I can put on display. So, yep, good. Uh, big. My, my dad will probably see this podcast and think I'm a complete moron for spending my money on this stuff. But, um, but yeah, if you're watching Spe this, dad, I'm making good that, money at work. So. Yeah, everything's fine. <laughs> speaking of that, are you going to get a Hasbro Pulse figure of yourself as a Power Ranger? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's kind of Are a you? genius idea, right. though. Yeah. I won't be a Power Ranger, but I'll probably be a Mandalorian or something like that. But it's kind of a genius idea because a lot of these figures aren't selling the way that they want them to. So now all they have to do is put a head sculpt on there. Then they can sell those bodies right. and make the money. So it's it's a smart idea. I'm just curious. I really want to see some reviews. Like, I want to see Kyle Peterson and some other people do this and then see what it looks like and then maybe pull the trigger. Because I don't want to get my figure and it just looks like garbage. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah I've, I've seen um, – I don't know if you do them through Funko or – I mean, I'm sure there's ways to get them done. But I've seen someone before with, that had a custom Funko Pop themselves. And yeah. I, like – wink wink to anybody out there that you know if you're ever thinking of like hey i want to get steven something and i don't know what to get him that's like top of the list like that'll get displayed massively especially if you put like a fight talk or like a fightful t-shirt on me or something that'd be a uh, super dope so that's something where i don't want to buy one for myself because i feel like that's corny but if someone bought one of me that i could put on display that'd be badass so but, yeah. but i didn't even know about the power ranger thing until you showed me that the other day so, yeah, I'm going to yep. do that, it, I think. It's, I mean, you can do Iron Man or Mandalorian or whatever. It has a bunch of different options. But, yeah, I think it uh, for you, it would probably be pretty dope to have all your Power Rangers and then, like, you know, you in there as well. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, I've got, like, a – I don't want to get it up. That's, in like, a bigger display. But I've got, yeah. like, the Green Ranger sign Funko Pop and, like, got, like, a I – got a, I got a bunch of Power Rangers stuff. Um, and it's still growing, but – that was my favorite thing to collect when I was a kid was like the OG Mighty Morphin Power Ranger stuff. So uh, now that I'm, it's like Step Brothers, right? even better. Got them when we're in our thirties. So, um, so well, here's go. the problem with this whole collecting thing now is they figured out a market yeah. that kids don't want this stuff. Adults do. So they're going back and getting all of our childhood and putting it out there. And the most like, epic way like that no holds bard set is something i thought i would never get and there's just no way you can turn it down like i don't care if i'm on my last dollar i have to have that set and i'll have <laughs> awesome. to if i have to pay double if i don't get it but i will like I, there's just no way i'm not getting that set so um but like if they came out like i said with the three ninjas neca set or yes. anything oh, yeah. like that like but there's a market for all this stuff absolutely uh, and so, and with kids, it's like, 
you what do you get them i don't even really know what they're into like my daughter has never really been into like she's just starting to like harry potter and stuff but i mean for the most part she's just like like um squishimals and poppets and things like that that really don't have like like for me i was always like marketed towards like gi joe pro wrestling all that type of stuff so it's uh it's a little bit different how kids are like being attracted which kind of goes into the wwe thing which we can talk about later but um we already have a super chat i appreciate that alexander fitzgerald great guy in our community um and this was actually one of the topics that i was going to discuss so i i appreciate you asking about this how do you feel about rick flair's last match it's hard to be excited for it when he's had so many last matches wrestlemania 24 was the best send-off um I'll say this. The card is pretty good. The card the overall card for that event is pretty good. So I think that definitely helps. That it's not just a one match show and that's all that you care about. Um I also feel a little bit more comfortable that it is with Jay Lethal partly because him and Jay Lethal have been training together. So I feel like at least Jay kind of knows exactly where Rick's at and all that stuff. It's not going to be um, overall like just this giant disaster. Uh, I think it's kind of cool he's with Andrade. It is his son-in-law now, so I think that's cool. The Jeff Jarrett thing is a little bit out of left field for me, honestly. Like I know that he definitely mimicked him throughout his career and things like that, but I just I just didn't see that one coming. Um I don't hate it. It's fine. Uh, I personally think it would have been dope if it was Sting and, and Jay Lethal versus Andrade and, and Flair. That's probably the way they should have went. But uh, I, I don't know all the politics and all that stuff involved. But for the most part, like, I'm okay with it. I'm not excited about it. I'm not, like, overly anxious at all for the event itself. I'm somewhat concerned, too. Like, there's just no way Flair turns this off. He's going to get all this attention, and then it's just over. Like, I just, I don't, I don't see it that way. So uh, I don't know how he just walks away from this. Um, you know, WrestleMania 24 was his swan song and everything else that's come after that is just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. He's a legend, all that stuff. But part of it, 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 it would almost be like if Kurt Angle announced that he's coming back, right? And you're just kind of like, oh, Kurt, come on. You're going through hell right now with your body. Like, it's just time to hang it up. And I kind of feel that way with Flair. But I'm just glad it's just one match. This is supposed to be it. So let's just enjoy it for what it is. And that, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. It's funny because, like, to some degree, since, like, I was a kid. I was probably like 10 years old in like 1998. And like, granted, I didn't get the full scope of everything, especially when you're young. It's like time works so much differently because like a long time to you is like a couple of years because you've only lived like a handful of years. But like, you know, the more the older you get time, just the way you see time, it just you see it differently. And I remember when I was a kid, even then thinking like in like 1998 being like Ric Flair is like too old to be doing this. Yeah. It was like 1998, you know? Yeah. And then, like, his run... I was immediately, like, when I first saw him, like, who's the old guy with the white hair? Like, I couldn't understand why Bobby Heenan was putting him over so much because he was just, like, he looked completely different from any of the WWE guys because his body wasn't, like, completely ripped or anything. 
and he just had a different feel to him. And it came across very like vintage and old. And I remember primetime wrestling and Bobby Heenan was like nervous as hell telling all the camera crew and everything that Ric Flair's coming, Ric Flair's coming. And I mean, I, I, if I was a smart mark back then, I would have been like, oh my God, Flair's coming to the WWE. Like, I'm so excited. But like, I had no idea. And I remember he came out and I was just kind of like, who's that? And then he won the Royal Rumble. And then I had no chance to deny him. And then it was like off to the races with him and Macho and Elizabeth and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, his his run in like the like the early 2000s and stuff, like especially his his like last few matches and stuff, it like he proved that like he still had way more in the tank than like what I thought he did. Yeah. Like, you know. In evolution, that was really cool for him to be a part of that. And like his tag yep. team with Batista like made a lot of sense at the time and helped him and everything. Well, they helped each other. And but then, like you said, it's like the Michaels match happens at WrestleMania. They give him this send-off. Kind of like you really don't see that often the way the WWE did something like that, where like yep. Raw was like just like a big tribute show and all the wrestlers came out and paid their respects and stuff. And and then I remember, like, before he even got to TNA, he did that weird Hulk Hogan tour where they yes, were just, like... In Australia. Yeah, they just, like, flew over to Australia and just, like, bled all over each other, like, yeah. like for, like, a few weeks straight. And, like, it was, yep. like, uncomfortable. And then he kept doing that in TNA. He would just... And, unfortunately, what I'm expecting to happen is this tag team match is going to start. And within seconds of him getting touched, he's going to be bleeding all over the place. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of shortcuts here. I think it, it, like you said, it makes perfect sense for Jay Lethal to be one of the opponents because they're, they've probably practiced this match many times already. Like with yeah. the things that they're going to do, they're making sure. Because we also have to take into account, like Flair has, you know, multiple pacemakers, I believe. Um, even just one pacemaker is enough for it to be concerning, like going out there at his age and taking bumps. He has That's medical risks. Yeah, medical risks and, you know, it's his medical history and stuff. And, you know, it's just, but it's one of those things where I'll be completely honest. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I don't know how to say this. I don't want to see the guy out there and die in the ring. Like, that's definitely not what I'm saying because I, I don't want that at all. I don't see get any joy at all in a scenario like that. I think that would be terrible. But yeah. like, if, if his mindset is like literally to just do this till the till the wheels fall off, like, and no one and no one close to him is gonna stop him, then it's like, what am I? You know, as a wrestling fan, if I was in Nashville, I, I'd go watch it, like just to just to be there, you know, like just to see what happened, you know, not 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 to hope something bad happened, but just like Ric Flair's wrestling, like it's crazy. I can say in twenty twenty two, I'm I'm seeing this guy wrestle, like it just, it but it, it but it's just. You know, it's it's sad that like, because he really wasn't a tag team guy, and like, he like he's so beyond what he needs to be at to be able to do this anymore. That like yeah. it has to be a tag team match where he's probably going to be like pretty not featured throughout. I mean, like I'm sure he'll get featured plenty, but you know what I mean. Like Andrade is going to be the one doing most of the work for his team, I'm sure. So it's like Flair couldn't even get to a point nor should he be able to with his age and his health, his health issues and stuff. But like the fact that he couldn't even have like a singles match as his quote unquote finals, final match is kind of like, you know, 
it's cool that Andrade gets to do that, and it makes sense for Ric Flair that like that's his tag team partner. Um, like that's kind it's, of cool. But it's it's nowhere like this, but it'll kind of have that same vibe of like when Cody Rhodes took off the the robe and you saw how swollen and bruised he was, and oh, you were yeah. just like, oh god, like you don't need to do this. Like I feel like that's gonna kind of be the way it is with Flair, and yeah. I just hope that it doesn't. Because it's kind of like also like remember like the Chuck and Tito fight the third one oh of course where, I like, remember that yeah the moment the fight started and you saw Chuck move it was mm-hmm. like oh mm-hmm. boy like this isn't good at all so like I feel it's the same except, way except with, you're like finally well <laughs> definitely I, I I did celebrate when he got knocked out no doubt about it but at the same point it was like. You it wasn't impressive check. to see Ortiz do it like at that. But point. it's like yeah. you wrote a check your ass couldn't cash. You did call out Tito. You did yeah. say that you could beat him. He was a warm up fight for for you to fight John Jones and all this other <laughs> nonsense you were talking about. So yeah. like, I felt like Karma got Chuck. He deserved it, but it was very noticeable that he was much slower and his reaction time was garbage and all that stuff. And I just hope that like when the match starts, when you start to see flair, it's not like just like embarrassing bad. Like that's my biggest concern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping it isn't too embarrassing either. Cause I mean, he's going to look old out there and he's probably gonna be pretty slow, but it's a matter of like how slow, like if he can still get around. Oh, basically if I, if I can see him at the pace that I've seen him training with Jay lethal, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but it isn't like I've I've seen worse. I'll put right. it that way. Like there are worse wrestlers out there that I've seen on the independent scene before that like moved worse than Flair or were less confident in the ring of what he was doing. But yeah, dude, uh, there was there was something you just brought up that I was going to touch on, and I just lost it. Um, what were we just talking about just a second ago? I brought up Cody and I brought up uh, how uncomfortable it can be. Yeah. It's something be like a, that. It's gotta be the uncomfortable. I'm sure it'll come back to me, but okay. yeah, I, I hope, I hope that, uh, I, yeah, I hope that Flair doesn't get hurt out there, you know, or anything bad happens, but. I also think it's kind of weird that they waited this long to announce the match. I feel like that there's definitely been some backstage stuff and drama and whatever mm-hmm. else to get this thing to happen. It just feels a little, I don't know how you would say it. Like, I feel like I would feel more comfortable if a major promotion was handling this because I feel like it's just kind of uh, going off the rails when it comes to the promotion of it and everything else. Like, it just seems really unorganized. And I feel like there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of people are allowing Flair kind of just to do what he wants, which is fair. But, uh, I, I don't know. It'll be cool though. It's SummerSlam weekend. It's not like that's the only thing people are in town for. So you'll get a big variety of people there. You have Starcast. Um, it'll be a fun weekend, and then you know whatever SummerSlam is going to be. Yeah, yeah. What, what I was going to bring up was uh, had to do with Chuck Liddell. I just I forgot that. Uh, yeah. I forgot that after that, then years later he with the referee for Aaron Carter versus Lamar Odom completely forgot that, that, that he did that. Um, There's something about that too. I was kind of wanted to talk about is like, do you feel like that era has just kind of gotten the shaft of UFC fighters? Yes. It just in general, because like, 
you don't really hear about Rampage, Tito, Vanderlei Silva, Chuck Liddell, Vitor Belfort, not in the same like light at all. And it's just kind of like they're like a forgotten era almost if you weren't around that time. And they were so pivotal in keeping the company alive. Yeah, they pretty much just kind of get like the video pack, the Bob O'Reilly uh, video package at the beginning of the UFC shows where they just show like all the highlights of the video, like for the live crowd. You don't even see yeah. that for the yep. um, for the pay-per-view audience. But yeah, no, you're, you're right. I think part of that probably has to do with like, it's almost kind of like in pro wrestling maybe where a lot of those guys are still like active elsewhere. You know, like a lot of them are yeah. still fighting in other places or working for other promotions and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, the UFC does a good job with their Hall of Fame, I think, for the most part. Like, you know, there's some names I don't know if I well, I shouldn't say that the UFC, I think, is pretty fair about their Hall of Fame. But like when you add the the fight wing and you call like certain guys a Hall of Famer, that's where it gets a little murky for me. Um, yeah. You know, but you are, it's the fight, not the fighter. But then there's some guys that kind of would deserve both and should be in there multiple times and stuff. Anyways, um, so they do a good job honoring the fighters when it comes to the Hall of Fame and stuff. But it, it is, uh, you're right. I don't know what they can do better about that. Well, you actually, you know what? I do know one thing they can do better about that. I think I heard Ariel Hawani talking about this recently, actually. He made a really good point. We The UFC often will show fighters in the audience during pay-per-views yep. and live events and stuff. And Ariel was like, all of those fighters should be front row. Like yeah. any UFC fighter that's at those events, if they want front row tickets, they should get free front row tickets. Like they built the sport and it would be such a cooler visual for everybody. If like surrounding the cage were all these former fighters, like right. that'd be awesome. Um, also like those fan expos and all that stuff, yeah. like all those guys need to be there. And a lot of times they'll book themselves in Vegas, but they'll do like some, some other event that has nothing to do with the UFC because they know fight fans are in town. It's just kind of sad. Plus what sucks is if you aren't in good terms with the UFC, then they're not going to do anything for you. And that's like Vanderlei Silva's not in good terms with the UFC. Rampage isn't on the best terms. Tito, of course, is on the best terms. So Chuck Liddell's fine, but like Shamrock, still not. Never, like never. That. You know, so crazy. Um, and Randy Couture not on good terms yeah. with them. So there's just a lot that like those guys really contribute a lot to the sport, and just to kind of see them, you know, just be thrown away almost. It's kind of sad. Yeah, Ring Niners fan was very, very. Uh, that's a fair point. Front row isn't always the best seats. I'll, I'll agree with that. That's true. But I don't know. At the UFC, I feel like if you had front row seats for the UFC, that's different than like uh, like Rogan sitting cage side. That's a little different because like you're so up close that like you have a weird angle and you kind of need to watch the monitor when it comes to a lot of stuff probably. But I don't know. You, I feel like UFC front row seats are probably pretty good eye level. I would say like maybe second or third row might suck if they're floor level though because – if you can't see, if you're not the tallest person in those first few rows, then you're not gonna be able to see over the people in front of you if you're all sitting down. So um, yep. that can be a problem sometimes. And I know Dana gets a lot of heat and I definitely think that, you know, he's part of the problem on some things, but man, I don't think the UFC is the UFC without Dana White. Like I think that Dana is, uh, he's just a guy that's able to run this show and, and deal with a lot of alpha fighters like these fighters are very hard to deal with and he deals with like 300 of them so i give him props or just and it's not always going to be a home run and he's definitely had his misses but 
I trust Dana White when it comes to the UFC. And, you know, I've definitely trashed him before, but at the end of the day, like, I definitely appreciate Dana and all that he's done. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's wild that we got to literally live through the birth and growth of mixed martial arts as a, as like an actual sport. Like we got yep. to see it from the beginning to like yep. in the real blow up, like after the ultimate fighter with the people that like we're talking about right now and stuff. And Dana, without Dana, none of that probably happens. And the, the who knows what happens to MMA in general. I mean, it's the UFC itself was, was screwed uh, without him uh, when he got the Fertitas involved with their money. So like, I, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I think Dana loves the UFC, but at this point, he's like, I'm not going to say he has one foot in, one foot out, because I think he's still very much involved with the UFC. But, like, at this point, it's like, you know, it's run by th this giant company, and, like, they got Joe Rogan out there in, like, in, like, a suit and stuff now sometimes, and it's, like, it's it's just different. Like, it's the, it's the company has changed a little bit. It's more about yeah. putting together like super fights nowadays and like big, yep. big names than it was back then. And it's just changed uh, in that way. But at the same time too, the way the Dana's had to operate, that's way different too. Now also, like you just mentioned, because now you have <clears throat> these like high level athletes that, you know, to, to at least some extent, you know, understand their value and negotiate and have agents and, you know, all that stuff, you know, modern day kind of pro sports and you're dealing, dealing with modern day professional athletes. Whereas back then it was like, Dana just kind of probably paid you whatever he could. And like the exposure was like, you get on pay-per-view or television and like, you don't have to have a real job. Like that's like pretty much like what it was built off of was like guys agreeing to that. And now, and now it's evolved into legitimate professional sports with, you know, six figure sometimes seven figure contracts and stuff like that eight figure contracts depending on how big you get and stuff and it's like that's yep. you know so one thing too about it yeah. is like it was very like there definitely had international fighters and stuff in it but it was very like american based when it first mm -hmm. kind of started and then they would add you know pure international talent here or there but like pride had the international talent yeah. for the most part and then when pride went under like that's when the globalization of the ufc really took off and then that was that that put them way over the hump because it's like if you can appeal worldwide and not just in america then that's when the real money comes in so i mean they they've done an unbelievable job i give them a lot of respect and like i said dana's a big part of that so i definitely give them props for that yeah yeah, absolutely. Another super chat from Dirty. Appreciate it, Dirty. Awesome, Dirty. Another great guy in our community. Um, do you think Wardlow match with Orange hurts his credibility? Uh, I say this. I, I don't know where you go with Orange Cassidy because the problem is now is he has shown that he is a great wrestler. Right. The gimmick was is that he wasn't a great wrestler. He was lazy. And then maybe a great wrestler would come out if you pushed him enough or like if he got uh, annoyed or whatever the case may be. Because like I went to Wrestle Circus and I saw Orange Cassidy wrestle. Um, I believe it was Sammy Callahan. And like I've seen the gimmick of Orange Cassidy before he is not that anymore 
And I don't know where they want to put him because of that. But I think what got him over was partly that gimmick. But I also think now people respect him enough in his wrestling ability that it's like he's a credible opponent as well. Um, So I don't think him having a competitive match with Wardlow is bad for Wardlow. But I understand where you're coming from. From like an old school mindset, Wardlow should just be able to go in there, absolutely kill Orange Cassidy, and we move on, new dominant champion, you know, whatever. But I I, I don't know what you do with Orange Cassidy because at the same time he's had like feuds with Adam Cole. He's been in title pitcher with like Kenny Omega. He's had a match of the year candidate with Will Ospreay now, like – it's not like this guy's a bum. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think they just didn't want to get too deep with it, him being strictly a comedy wrestler. Like, just because there's, yeah, I think, even lower of a ceiling for something like that um, in AEW. Like, he's definitely comedy based and always will be to some degree for sure. But at the, at the same time, like, you got to be taken seriously as well when you're having those kind of matches. And, right. and, the, and, and the thing, too, is, like, honestly, I, th- I think the whole Orange Cassidy and Wardlow thing, it, it works well for both guys, the outcome and everything, kind of the way it all it all came off, in my opinion, because going into that match, in my opinion, Orange Cassidy was still much higher up the food chain. Like, MJF, or, uh, Wardlow beat MJF, like, destroyed him. That's, that's big. MJF's really high up there. Um, but Orange Cassidy, when you see the guys he's he's beat too, like the like the big Jericho uh, feud that he had, and he got a big win over him, and the big win over Adam Cole, even though it technically never happened. And he's had he's had a lot of big wins. He's been a part of big stuff too, like the the best friends uh, parking lot brawl match that I thought was incredible a couple years ago, and he popped out during that. And so he's been a part of like really big things in AEW since the whole the whole time AEW's been around. Um, so I, I consider him to be like really high up there. So it's one of those things too, where like Wardlow, I think he benefits, you know, like he's the TNT champion. He's clearly like he's mid build right now to like where they're trying to get him as far as like eventual world champion and, and maybe face of the company long-term and stuff. I mean, there's clearly big plans for Wardlow. So like I'm fine with all of it. Like I, I'm okay with with Wardlow and Orange Cassidy having a competitive match. Um, it'd be different if it was like Wardlow and like, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I I'm gonna sit here and just like trash people, but it was like Serpentico or like you know what I mean, like someone like that. It's like that's oh, a different you, thing. You, you can trash him. It's fine. No, I know, I know. Well, I'm just saying like there's a whole, you know, Orange Cassidy is not. That, that's a different thing. Like. <laughs> You know, this is what he's he's saying too, which is fair. Yeah. But I'll say storyline wise, like Wardlow had way more incentive to kill MJF. Like MJF had made his life hell, and he finally got a hold of him. I just think in AEW, no matter who it is, you're gonna have to get used to competitive matches. Like that's just what they're about. They're about. They're not big on squash matches. They're going to have back and forth matches. We saw that with Kenny Omega's title reign. Like it didn't matter who he was facing, whether it was like Matt Seidel, who hadn't done anything in a while. He would have all these like close finishes with him and all that stuff. So 
I, I just think it's AEW style. I don't think there's going to be just like some dominant guy that just steamrolls through everybody unless they're security guards and then Wardlow can be 20 of them in a match, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't think that, um, and, and for me, I think you really got to be careful with Wardlow because I, I think that he does kind of remind you of a WWE style wrestler in ways. And if you push him all the way to the top, that it's going to kind of be like the AEW fans are going to be like, well, why am I watching this show then? Like I, I could watch people like that over there. So I, I think you kind of got to be careful with him. If he if he does have other stuff to display, like later on he's starting to do like moon salts and all sorts of other stuff, more high flying stuff, then maybe that will win people over. But I don't think that the fan base wants a ward low type to be the champion. I could be wrong on that. But even for myself, I'm not really looking for a Goldberg Batista like title run in AEW. Yeah, that's understandable. And I'm with you on that as well. But I also don't think there's like a whole lot of harm if it's the right guy and he's over enough. And there's only like a, a couple guys like that at the top. You know, right. I think that be that could be okay. You just don't want a whole scene of everyone being the same and being like that. Um because even and it's Wardlow, also, mm-hmm. I think right now, even like if, if it like, let's say Wardlow a couple of years down the line and we have all these injuries and people are out and there's this opportunity, like that kind of makes sense. But if the whole roster stacked and like, we're going to pick Wardlow over everybody else, that kind of concerns me. Yeah. But yeah, that's understandable. I mean, they do have to have their, some of their own homegrown guys too, though. I mean, that, that's a big part of this, uh, obviously with Wardlow is like, they want to prove that they have some of their own their own guys that they didn't get from WWE and stuff like that, that, that they've made into stars as well. But I also agree with like the in-ring style aspect. I mean, I think Wardlow is better than what he's been able to show too. Every now and then he hits like a sweet, like Swanton or something where you're like, oh, okay, this guy, he's got more than, than what he's showing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's also tough when it's like Omega and Adam Cole and Brian Danielson and John Moxley and uh, Jungle Boy is eventually going to be in that, like, Jungle Boy is going to be that if MJF comes back, of course. Yeah, CM Punk, Hangman Page. I mean, so on and so forth. I mean, and my my out. only thing is is like I've been saying is like a lot of the guys that we just named, they're on borrowed time. They're only going to be there for so long. Do you strike while the iron's hot with those guys? Did like use them for as much as you can, and then when they're out, then you project the new future, or do you put the new future already ahead of those guys and just like help them build him on the way up? I think you just have to have a good mix of all of it together, but just be really careful about the way you book it and who winds up winning the feuds because TNA kind of did that. Um, you know, they bring in the veterans and then mix in with like AJ styles and amazing red and Samoa Joe and Elix Skipper. And those guys would get in the mix with like the old WWE stars that would come over, but then like the WWE guys would win. And it'd be like, oh, okay. So anyone who comes over, then it starts getting to a point where like guys that weren't even like that big of stars in WWE, they were just been in WWE just because they've been on the show. It's like, oh, all of a sudden, so-and-so is now in TNA and now they're world title mix just because they've been in WWE and like AJ Styles getting passed up again. It's like, you know, that that's- RBD or AJ Styles nonsense. Dude, was that the one where, uh, I remember at one point, RVD lost his world title because he got beat up backstage by Abyss, but like yep. we never saw it or anything. 
Yeah, but it was yeah. like he stabbed him with that that Janus, Janus, yeah. and like he he had all the he was just covered in blood, like it looked like yeah. a horse scene. Like oh god, wasn't the real? And then he comes back that? all bandaged uh, up. Yeah, like oh, wasn't the wasn't the real reason for that that he like he had already worked most of his agreed to dates that year, and they just like couldn't afford for him to work that show. So that, that sounds about Hoffman. right. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that that's amazing. Right. It's amazing. Good old TNA, baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess we'll jump into the main topic. Um, if you guys please haven't, if you have uh, smash that like button, please do it. Um, it's really the only thing we can ask for you. If, if you just want to help us out, please smash that like button and uh, subscribe if you haven't. Like I said, we'd love to have you part of our community. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get into um, the WWE TV 14. If you uh, want to pivot or ask questions about something else, all you have to do is submit a super chat. We definitely appreciate that as any support for the channel helps us out a lot. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so the WWE 14. Mm -hmm. um, I have mixed feelings on it because when I was making videos with Bill back in the day, like one of our number one things we wanted changed was to end the PG era, right? right. Yep. But now we've seen that's what I think they said it's been like 14 years or something like that. Sounds that right, been. yeah. But now we've seen just how how much their issues are there's so much more complex than just if you end the the era of PG and and go back to the way it used to be that it's just going to be fixed. I don't believe in that at all. Um, I, I think, I think what it could help though, is guys are not going to come across as so robotic. So just cookie cutter manufactured by WWE, like you suck and I'm going to kick your butt. Like, nobody talks like that like that's just nonsense and they would do stuff like that because they couldn't go there so if they're able to be a little bit more um aggressive uh, be a little bit more say a little bit more cuss a little bit more um i i think that that's a good thing i'm curious though like will they try to dip into the sexual side because it doesn't seem like AEW is that interested in doing that. And we know Vince is a pervert. And so, like, <laughs> I, I I, I, just can't imagine if they're going TV 14, he's not looking backstage there and saying, like, who do I want in lingerie? Who do I want in a romance angle? Do I want to go ahead and have this lesbian angle now on TV? Like, there's just a lot of things that I could see him possibly wanting to go there especially if he's still in charge of creative and that's something that aew really isn't doing so if you do want to stand out um is the uh is the sexual route more of something that they would be interested in doing it's a good question i doubt it because i think they still they're still too much invested in stuff like deals with companies like mattel i feel like I, I and, and that's I was well, when I heard about this, Mattel was one of the first things I thought about. Like, how dedicated are you to that deal if you're going to go this route? Are you ready to pivot and do something different? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I 
I look at it kind of like this, where a couple years ago, I feel like they were somewhat testing the the waters and the idea of something like this when they introduced Raw Underground from like 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. or whatever on Raw. It was the last. It was only during the last hour. You could tell that they were trying to make it like this MMA style underground fight club, and like they were trying to make it seem like that was real. Like what you were seeing on Raw was like that was pro wrestling, but like this was what real fights look like. Um, and it was hilariously bad. But the idea, and of course Shane being behind it, you know, you know, it makes sense that that was you know the kind of what they were trying to do didn't work out they just stopped doing it just it was just never mentioned again like a fever dream just like it never happened uh, at all but i feel like that was the kind of their testing of like what would happen if like one of that one hour of our show was dedicated more towards an older audience um yeah they you know extending a guy like pat mcafee that's 18 to 49 signing logan paul that's yep. 18 to 49 like there's and it gives them a little more leeway to do a little bit more a little bit edgier stuff potentially but at the end of the day i honestly think like probably not a whole lot will change i think cody will bleed uh during some big matches um that's i mean i don't see it like you said the the problem at this point isn't even so much that it's pg it's that it's just bad stories and bad booking and just uninteresting yep. stuff and seeing the same thing over and over i mean i didn't see i i I honestly have forgotten that Raw's even on on Monday nights at this point. I don't even think about it. But right. like, you know, part of that has to do with Better Call Saul's back, and it's been fantastic. Um, but cool. anyway, yeah, yeah, that was so good. But that's on at the same time as one of the hours of Raw, anyways. But not not that that's even a doesn't matter. But the only thing that I know that happened last night on Raw was because I was scrolling my timeline on Twitter, and I was just all over my timeline, so I had to see what it was. And it was Veer, just like Boo, just said Boo, and then started laughing at himself. And I was like, yeah. "All right, now I know." What, and now I know what my WWE topic is for the spotlight on Thursday. And um, right. don't have to watch anything else that has to do with the WWE all week, except for you know I watch Two Hundred Five Live and or sorry, um, NXT Level Up and uh, NXT UK because I review it for for the weekend or for Fightful Select. But outside of that, yeah, I've. I've couldn't tell you anything else that happened on Raw last night. Um, until Cody comes back, I have no interest. And unfortunately, them going TV fourteen, it's a little too it's a little too late. You know, it's too little too late, I should say, because now there's just way too better many good options for me to just if I want to watch pro wrestling, I'll watch something else. But if they start turning it around and things start getting better and more interesting, that's great. But if they're also going to continue to have like entire shows just full of DQ finishes anyways, and none of it really matters at the end of the day, no matter how good the stories are, if they're edgier or, or whatever, you know what I mean? If it's, it's all probably going to be pretty similar regardless of the rating at this point, it feels like. Yeah. I, I, I just don't really know what their goal is. And it makes me wonder like, okay, if they're kind of abandoning the, the youth, the kids, and AEW really isn't focusing on kids. Where is this future generation of wrestling fans going to come from? Because it's like it. This stuff is made for adults now. Like that's really what this is. And it's the same thing. Like, okay, you made toys, right? 
but the the people that are buying the toys now are the adults like it's it's a weird um transition that and and i've been telling you this like i don't even think they've necessarily been marketing towards kids i just think they're lame and so i don't think lame i just think they're going to still be lame they're just going to try to be like what's cool for 18 to 49 and I wonder how much they're going to copy AEW. I don't think they make this move if AEW doesn't exist. Um, so I, I think that's a big part of this too. Uh, I think that they're seeing their 18 to 49 demographic go to the WW or go to AEW. And they're seeing their 18 to 49 demographic dwindle down and they're trying to get that back. So I'm not sure all what they have in mind. Um, but like I said, I think the Pat McAfee thing's genius. I think that that's been one of their best moves that they've made in probably the last like 10 years, just because pop culture and wait till football season starts. Wait till football season starts and everybody starts really watching the Pat McAfee show and he's still plugging wrestling and stuff like that'll definitely help them. And then yeah. the Logan Paul thing will be interesting. I feel like Jake Paul might be on like his last legs in the boxing world soon. So I could see him transitioning over there with Logan. Um, it's it's an interesting idea. But you know what's funny, too, is it's like I feel like so many fans of the WWE now are just long longtime wrestling fans that just have stuck by this company no matter what because it's just what they watched with their dad when they were little or whatever the case may be. And, like, when this announcement was made, it was almost like, rejoice, we did it. We're going back to being good again. <laughs> and it's like, man, you guys are just still like holding on to this ridiculous hope that all of a sudden, like, you're just going to get the attitude error the next week when they make this announcement. It's, it's going to be nothing like that. Nothing like that. No. Especially right now. I mean, I guess there's something to be said if Vince really just mother effed everybody and just gave everyone the middle fingers kind of as like he went out. But like, this would be the worst time ever with like a magnifying glass on his company to start doing stuff that would be controversial. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's already, everyone's already staring at you right now for all this, all these allegations and stuff. And it's like, now is when like, like I'm not saying they're going to do this, but like if they were going to go back to any world that resembled anything similar to, you know, something like Sable taking her top off and her, there's hands painted on her tits you know, like the yeah. WWE doesn't need that right now. You know what I mean? Like, so for, for PR. So I just don't think I, I you know, who knows? I, I don't, I really don't think it's going to change anything at the, at the most, maybe a little towards the later hour of the show um, in the third hour or whatever, maybe it gets a little more adult to some degree or something. Maybe I, I don't know. Cause as far as like who's wrestling fans anymore, I think you're right. I think it's, I think the main, I think the main audience for the WWE right now is basically the the wrestling fans who have just stuck by it, like you said, just going to watch it and support it no matter what. Kind of like me with the Minnesota Vikings, if I'm being fair. Yeah. Um, but um, but you know, you have them, and then you do have a lot of a lot of kid fans, a lot of kid fans. But but you're, but it's the but WWE is in in that sense they're competing not with other wrestling companies. Like I think mainly for like the kid wrestling fan up to a certain age. Um, it's like, I don't think WWE 
or even kids see it as like WWE versus like AEW or Impact or whatever, they probably don't even know those things exist. It's just, it's like for them, it's like WWE versus like what's on Nickelodeon versus what's on Disney, you know, Disney Plus and that kind of stuff. It's like that's that's what I think WWE is competing with when it comes to the kids. And if they can retain any of those kids that, you know, and they go into their teenage years and they stick around and stick into adulthood, a certain percentage of people that is going to happen. But yeah. there is also going to be a big chunk of, of churn as well, where it's just kids that, you know, were into wrestling, just like they were into Beanie Babies when we were kids or whatever, Power Rangers or whatever. It's just the thing that they were into when they were kids. It was it's like watching Saturday morning cartoons. They just they watch wrestling also along with their cartoons and stuff like that. And eventually they just kind of grow out of it or, or stop paying attention or whatever. Well, what's, what you got to think of too is like kids that are like they're in their mid 20s now grew up watching pro wrestling as John Cena was the main guy. Right. And like we are at a generation now where like they're grown up. Right. And I don't know if there is another John Cena type that the WWE has. I, my opinion, I think if they turn Theory babyface, I think he's the closest thing that they could do. But I don't know what they're doing with Theory. I, I, I still don't get it. But that is where I think that they could somewhat make some ground there if they wanted to. Because Roman – God, Roman's like 13-year vet or something like that now. Like, he's no spring chicken. And it's weird how he just all of a sudden is like, okay, now Roman's a part-timer. He'll show up when he wants to. Like, uh, okay. You know, like they're like, Roman's going to be at Madison Square Garden on Raw. Oh, okay. He's a SmackDown guy. And he's the only champion. Like, it's a lot of weird stuff. Um, been really interested to see what would have happened if Cody would have stayed, like, if Cody would have stayed healthy and, and where that would have put him. Like, could we have, could this have been Roman and Cody at SummerSlam? I think, it, I think so. I think that's a very good chance yeah. it would have been. I mean, I think Cody can be kind of like they're seeing it. The only problem is he's like 35 or 36 or whatever right now. So, like, yep, you know, you can still get Cody, good Cody's years 37. out of him. 37. Cody's 37, yeah. So, you, so you, you can still get good years out of him. 37 um, to 42. Like, just yeah. ride it till the wheels fall off but, and get, but, get there. But what they would like is someone like Theory long term. Like if because if they can have anybody that has like a John Cena, because the thing with John Cena that's so impressive was that it was like 15 years straight of him like being the guy in that company. Yep. Like, yep. I mean, people don't people might not understand to put that into context. Like Steve Austin was that guy for like three to five years, like tops. Yep. Same Cena was that like triple that amount. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, and Hogan is the closest thing you could say to Cena, but Hogan obviously he jumped companies and stuff. But like, and he did it in both companies, and he deserves a lot of credit. And he did it as a heel and a babyface. Yeah, baby. That's why you cannot deny Hogan. No, well, I mean, I think if you made a a WWE um, Mount Rushmore of like the most successful wrestlers in WWE history is like the wrestlers that mean the most to the WWE brand in general. Yep. John Cena is undoubtedly on that Mount Rushmore for me. It's it's not even a question. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. It's it's crazy how in hindsight too how much I respect that guy. But I was also the wrong we both, both of us were we were the wrong age for 
for when they made that those changes in the WWE yeah. in the early 2000s. We were just, it was seeing a guy beating all of our heroes and us being like, he's not as good as these guys. Like, why is he beating all of our guys when he isn't nearly as good as our guys? Yeah. Um, not only all, that, like, we had to see him sell out his gimmick because he was yeah. badass at, with the, the rapper. Like, everybody really enjoyed He was Max Caster, but, like, a main eventer. And everybody was super behind him. And then he had to, like, stop rapping, become PG. Then they limited their ring style. Then he went PG. Then the whole company went PG. And, like, he was the figurehead of PG. He represented everything that PG stood for. And it caused a major backlash against him. But the kids fell in love with him and he, he created a whole new generation of wrestling fans. And so now that it's all over basically, and you look back on all of it in hindsight, like Cena was a success and there's really nothing more you can say about that. I, I wonder if, if Brock Lesnar never leaves to go try for the Vikings, do they ever even go PG? I don't know. You know what I mean? Because Cena w- was only the choice because Brock left. And yeah. then all that happened, you know, because like when they were both together, like I remember them wrestling each other prior to Lesnar leaving and Lesnar beat Cena every time. Like they were on two completely different levels at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, that's just, it's interesting to think about, like if Brock never leaves and Cena never gets his push to the top. And of course, a lot of it's on Cena, like he got over and he stayed over and he, he you know, he, he deserves it. I mean, even if you didn't like his in-ring style, you got to respect him doing all the make-a-wishes and doing the, the talk shows and basically just – he basically lived on an airplane for 15 years and just slept when he could while he was traveling while also learning Mandarin and stuff on the side. Like, yep. you know, so I, you got to respect it. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like, it just makes you think, had he never got that opportunity to be the top guy, would they ever have even gone that direction with the company? Who knows? Yeah. Well, and I think it would have been really competitive between like Cena, Lesnar, and Orton. I think that those three yeah. would have really been like battling for the top spot. And that would have been really like competitive. And if you didn't have a brand split and all that, and you just had all three of those guys really gunning for the top spot, like it was kind of like with Triple yeah. H, The Rock, Stone Cold, like and that would have been. Really yeah, Batista, yeah. then you would add Kurt Angle, and there were, I mean, yeah. there were a lot of guys that would have been fighting for that top spot. I think it would have been really interesting. Yeah. And like, hate to mention his name, but even Benoit, oh, he was a big sure, part sure. of that. Eddie Guerrero, like, that would have been, that would have been a pretty wild time, especially if they didn't split it. They didn't do the brand split. If they let go of a bunch of people and really just focused on their best that they had, I think that that could have been a, a big change in direction. And even if they, made the matches more slow and they toned it down in ring style. Those guys were so good that you still would have been able to have enjoyable matches and it wouldn't have been um, like as noticeable. But I mean, I remember like clear as day. It was like a Monday night raw. I remember like they, that Taz talked about it on bite this, that this is bull crap that they're about to do. They're about to like really water down this ring style and I've got to call these matches because invite this, they used to just shoot. Yeah, and I remember. Yeah, I remember it was on the, watching... the WWE's website, by the way, for people that don't remember. It was like the first right. like web show, like pretty much like the first like call in live podcast of yeah. that kind. Yeah. 
And I remember watching live and it was Chris Benoit and Edge in a steel cage match. And like there were no risk and it was slow paced and it just it, there was no aggressiveness and it just felt like paint by numbers. And I was like, this sucks. And like to this day, like that's stood out to me. And then they they really but then like I don't know what happened. Like there were times where things definitely picked up, but like I felt like when Cena, the whole U.S. title reign, they really picked it up again. And, like, even some of Shawn Michaels stuff, like, it was here or there. Mm -hmm. I felt like in 2016, they just said F it and really went for it with the whole new NXT and then AJ Styles showing yeah. up in the WWE. And, like, all of that time, like, that really gave me hope. That was some of the best years of WWE since, like, the, the end of – the beginning of the PG era and the watered down wrestling and all that stuff. Like 2016 gave me a lot of hope. The roster was stacked and then they just went on the wayside again. And then it was just mainly just NXT is all you could care about. And then they got rid of that. And so thank God for AEW. I say that all the time, but definitely mean it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, to kind of wrap that up, you know, who knows? Yeah. Who knows I've got some other topics. Um, so it sounds like, Kenny Omega could be coming back soon. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how you feel, Steven, but like, mm -hmm. I, I can't wait. Like, I think this has been so long. It's been a really long wait. It almost reminds me of like waiting for triple H when he it's came back day. because so much, because what was so crazy when triple H went out was because like, that's when the whole Alliance was built and all that stuff. And he just wasn't around. And yeah, CM Punk showed up when Kenny was there, but like barely. We never got any interaction between them. Adam Cole was somewhat new. And then like the whole roster has changed at this point. They've been holding off on Young Bucks Kenny, Young Bucks Adam Page, Adam Cole Kenny, the trios titles. Like so much of this is on hold because Kenny is not there. So I'm just looking forward to an announcement that Kenny Omega is returning and that we can just kind of hit the play button and, and get this thing going. Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, I I think a, a very strong argument can be made that healthy Kenny Omega is the best all-around pro wrestler in the world uh, when he's around. I mean, I think – I don't I don't know if – if I necessarily would consider him the best, but he's definitely in that conversation. I know for you, Osprey's that guy. And by the way, him hitting that one winged angel the other night and then pulling the dude off the mat and everything like that match is definitely happening. Like, so that's going to be sick whenever that, you don't, you down. don't think this is a work. You think that you, you think this is a work. You don't think that yeah. there's legit heat there. Oh no, I think there's both. I think it's both. I do too. I, yeah. I do too. But part of me, part of me with Osprey and Omega is like, I, I really feel like Kenny does not want to go there with him because he knows the level that he has to be at to have a match with Osprey. And because he's not going to allow Osprey to outshine him. And so if he's going there, then he's really got to go there. And I just feel like it's one of those things where, like, he wants to acknowledge Osprey, let people know, like, I know he's there, but like, I'm more interested in Jay White or I want to do this instead. Like, I don't, I don't want to go at that path. Um, and I, and I think that Osprey 
is definitely taking this personal, and I definitely feel like he'll stiff him in there. And I think Kenny will stiff him back, but it's not like something that coming out of surgeries and all this stuff and rehab, do you want to jump in there with a match with Will Ospreay? Because that that is that is the mountaintop right now. That's all I'll say about that. That'd be pretty funny to watch them like have to actually fight each other and to see what that looks like. Cause like you're so used to seeing them just like the best in-ring wrestlers, just so fluid, so athletic. And then like if, if like real punches start getting thrown, like what that actually looks like would be pretty would be pretty the opposite, I think. Like it'd be interesting to see. I don't want to see them actually fight each other. I just think it'd be to kind of your point, like if someone if they started stiffing each other, like that would be That'd be interesting. But like if we if we get this generation's Brett versus Sean, like I'll take yeah. that all yeah. day long. Let's go. Absolutely. All day long. They don't have to like each other. I don't care. Um yeah. I don't want them to purposely try to injure each other. But if there's animosity there and they throw little potato shots here and there, like let's do it. I'm down. Yeah. And and I just think that at the end of the day, like these are two of the very best. And I mean, I just don't know what it is. Like, I saw somebody post, they were like, their favorite matches, right? It was nothing but like 1990. And I'm just like, dude, I grew up the same era you did. I'm damn near the same age as you are. And I can acknowledge that these matches are nothing compared to modern day, what we're getting right now. For sure. And But people hold on to the past so much. And then they're like, I was listening to Kevin Nash. That's a mistake always. But I was listening to him talk, and he was like, you know, I I like when they go on commercial break and they do the pitcher-in-pitcher pitcher because they're just going so damn fast and nobody's actually selling out there that I don't even know what's going on. And it's like, bro, I, this whole, like, idea, like, I remember this back in the RVD era where everybody would kill him for not selling. And it's like, do you think back, like when you're thinking back his whole entire career, are you just thinking about like, yeah, man, the guy was great, but he couldn't sell worth the shit. Like who cares? Like he left with some of the most insane spots, athleticism, like total freak. And yet you have people upset that, you know, the young bucks didn't give it time to sell. They threw a punch and then a super kick right after. And so like that they suck. And it's just like, man, shut up. Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's blatantly obvious that like nowadays the level of in-ring, in-ring athleticism and stuff, it's just, it's night and day different now. I mean, I can understand somebody back that, you know, that grew up on it, you know, holding things sentimental because of like their age at the time and the, the, um, you know, what it was at the time and the whatever the story was and all that stuff. Like I, I get all that. I mean, I'll always hold things like near and dear to my heart that I grew up on for sure. But like objectively it's like, you know, just, you can't, you can't look at something like what like Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson are doing like right now and, that's just it's a it's almost a completely different thing than what you would have seen in 1990. I mean, yep. there was really no one doing anything like that. I mean, we we all had our tits blown off by Shawn Michaels. I mean, like, and Shawn was the man, and like, I'm not taking anything away from Shawn Michaels. Um, and this is Shawn so Michaels. true. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, right, because it wouldn't be believable back then. 
Um, well, and then but, I also, not only that, like, I don't need to see someone like the Young Bucks have a test of strength with Hobbs. Like, I don't give a crap. Like, that's, that's the thing is, like, it, it was a total different style of, like, who's better and all this. But at the same point, like, people are like, I want it to look like a fight. Okay, I get that. But in my opinion, I know you like it, but I'm not a big fan of blood sport. I think it looks like fake MMA. And mm-hmm. I don't really like that either. So I be careful what you wish for, basically. Now, I don't know if you've been catching the FTR and Briscoe's like promos, sit downs and stuff, but I love that type of stuff. And I'm all for that. And I'm all for like when I know when those guys are going in the ring, they're going to lay it in. So like I believe in that and I believe in realism, but I also believe in pro wrestling. It needs to be a mixed bag. And you're, you have the most fun when you just kind of get a, a little bit of everything instead of it, just like, like if you just got nothing but serious stuff all day long, it it's not as fun as if you got like a mixed bag of things. That's what made the forbidden door so badass, right? Like it was just a total mixed bag of all this different talent and different styles. And it was awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, this might be a good transition. We're talking with my blood sport. Chase Oliver brings up a good point that we do need to talk about. Um, Nate Diaz versus Chimel is apparently going to happen. Yep. So um, how do you feel about that? I mean, clearly the idea here is throw Diaz to the wolves, have Chimel make a big name off of him on the way out. I think Diaz, like, definitely has a chance. I mean, if that's his standing, like, but the thing is, he's got, I mean, Tremel's going to wrap his legs up and just throw him onto the ground. And then, but Diaz got great ground game, though. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting. I mean, Tremel beating Gilbert Burns the way he did, it was a competitive fight, but Gilbert Burns is tough as hell. Like, he's, I mean, so there, you know, Tremel showed a lot there, but he also showed that, like, he isn't completely invincible either. Like, a guy like Nate might be able to kind of get in his head and pick him apart on the feet a little bit, but. I mean, it, this, hey, dude, I'll, I'll put I'll throw some money on Nate if he's a big underdog, though, for sure. How big? Uh, I haven't I haven't looked to see uh, what. The no, I'm just saying, is. like just in general, like what 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 are you looking for? Plus three hundred, plus four hundred. Um. Oh yeah, something like that for sure, especially with a parlay with something else. Um Because yeah. I, dude, I saw today Charles Oliveira was a two to one underdog to yeah. Mogachev. Yeah. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, I'll put money on on. Oliveira at at, at at an underdog, a two to one underdog. Are you kidding me? Like, yep. how the hell does that happen? I mean, I get there's hype behind Islam Mahachev and he's and he's been great and he's got a wrestling style that you know they could, they are treating him like he is Khabib, like he is Khabib. Yeah, yeah. That, that's exactly the way that thought, they're they're going into it. And that's so not fair to someone like Oliveira with what he's been doing to legitimate contenders to have him as the underdog defending his title like that. I think is bullshit, but. As me personally, but I'll but I'll bet on on Oliveira for sure, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Um, this to me is Leoto Machida versus Tito Ortiz. This is Rampage versus Glover Teixeira. This is the 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 bad matchup fight to ruin credibility to get you out of there. Um, I'm just glad it's happening, though. Honestly, even if Nate loses, it really means nothing because at this point, like, are you buying? a Nate Diaz fight because you think he's the best in the world. If you are like, you are really showing some 
big time favoritism that just isn't realistic. You know what I mean? But like Nate's a fun fight, but I mean, dude, we are getting close to Nate Diaz versus Jake Paul. Like that thing's going to happen. That thing is absolutely going to happen. And that will be pay-per-view bonanza. Yeah. That thing is going to be huge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, and that's win or lose. I think that happens either way because it's yeah. going to be big either way. But I mean, imagine how much bigger though, even it is if, if Jake somehow beats uh rock mod junior. Like I don't think that that's impossible. Like, I think they're making yeah. it far bigger. Like rock. Mod, he's not, he's not that guy. Like it, he should be, Jake should beat him. I'll I think Jake's awesome. the underdog betting. Odds, yeah. I, think. I bet on Jake in my opinion, yeah. because here's the thing that's interesting that I found with rock mod. I looked it up and I was Whoa, like, okay, is this real? I can't, is that What's real? Up? Is that real? If that's real, that's okay. Yeah, let's all let's all get a little some action going on that. Like ten bucks. I mean, why real. not, right? Um. Anyways, I looked it up and I was like, "Who did he get knocked out by?" I keep hearing he keeps he got knocked out his last fight. He got knocked out by Tommy Morrison's kid. Real? I didn't know Tommy Morrison's kid fought. I didn't either. Yeah. So you know Tommy Morrison is right. Yeah, yeah, old school boxer. But but hold on. But so Rockman, Rockman, like The Rock, the dad, his son fought the son of Tommy Tommy Morrison. Yes, and, Morrison and he got so knocked. And he got knocked out. And not only did he, not only, you know what's crazy about that fight, Stephen? That fight was in April, like three months ago, and nobody knew. Yes. That. So he got knocked out in April, and then he's yeah. now going to fight Jake Paul. And I he's also a late replacement. I heard he's super heavy, so he's going to have to mm. cut a lot of weight. Like this is all in Jake Paul's favor. Hell yeah! So What's I think Jake Silva Paul's doing right. Win. What's Anderson Silva doing right now? Like I know he boxed pretty recently again, didn't he? Yeah, he, he fought in that Abu Dhabi garbage with Floyd. Um, oh right. Yeah. yeah, but it was not against any serious point. I mean, he could fight, but I I just think the short notice <laughs> took him out of that. But my thing yeah. is, why don't Jake want to fight the guy that knocked out Asim Rama? Fight Tommy Morrison's kid. Why not? Well, I think part of it now, granted, uh, Morrison's kid might have maybe he did want the fight. I have no idea one way or the other. But I mean, to be fair. Uh, Tommy fumbles keeps not not showing up to the fight at this point. So like, it's really whoever they could get to show up the date that Jake is showing. I don't. Up I don't believe you. Tommy Fury at all. Like, I think he just flat out chickened out. Like, I don't think he. Just, I think he's too worried about losing with, with his with his lineage, his yeah. brothers, his dad. If he loses to a Paul, he just can't come home. Like, yes. That's just it. Like those are fighting men, and you're not going to lose to a Jake Paul. So I, I, I just don't think it's happening. Yeah, pull pull this up. See, this is, yeah, I I didn't know that, um, but I like that a lot. I love the idea of Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think Anderson I think, would probably murk him. But I think he'll, I think he'll go Nate first because no, he, no, no, I agree. Nate, I agree. Nate will be available, and so he'll go Nate first, and then. He's just going to hope that Anderson keeps getting older to the point to where he finally fights him. He's like 50 and then he can have a chance. Yeah. That's too bad that, but Anderson's been looking good. The boxing I've seen him do has been very impressive, but for sure. um, I did not see the Abu Dhabi stuff at all though, with uh, the Floyd show. So yeah. Um, We got a super chat that we completely missed. So my bad on that. 
King Bling Blah. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for supporting the channel. Uh, if all portions open the forbidden door, oh, I think you meant promotions, open the forbidden door, including WWE, can it be as exciting as the Attitude Era? Uh, any wrestlers, any promotions, any time thoughts? Um, here's the thing. Why do you love the Attitude Era, right? Because if you love the Attitude Era because of the characters, the storylines, all that stuff, then I don't think so. But if you love the Attitude Era because of unpredictability, match quality, like just how crazy and chaotic the fans were in the crowd and all that, then yeah, I think it could be like that. So it really just depends on what you love the Attitude Era for. But I think the Attitude Era was lightning in a bottle and it's never going to happen again, honestly. Like, I just think that you're never going to get that point to where they were so pushed that they had to do something outside of their comfort zone. And they had all this talent that we didn't know about that all came up through the ranks that just like ended up all being like some of the greatest of all time, all in one time. So yeah, I I just don't. And plus, they like I said they had competition too, so it makes things interesting that way. And a big thing with Attitude Era was it was such a product of like, I mean, of course we could go even deeper and say like it kind of was a product of what ECW had already figured out, but like it was the the time, like the yep. nine the, the late nineties, like that was a different. The world was just different then, and then the way that the Attitude Era weaved its way into mainstream during that time like steve austin the way he was doing things and dx kind of as as that was kind of starting and the rock blowing up and every it was like and they, their characters and stuff mr mcmahon and all it was all just very like it fit the time perfectly like when you saw steve austin doing like got milk uh got milk commercials and stuff like that it like fit it was like he was a he was like a Michael Jordan type celebrity, like athlete. Like, um, but he fit in not, with what the 90s were as well. Not only that, like growing up as a teenager, seeing that, like you felt like you were watching the cool thing. You know right. what I mean? Like it wasn't just like, oh, I'm part of a niche audience that likes this, and then there's like a selected few. Like, no, everybody was watching wrestling yeah. and it felt like the cool thing. So um it became pop culture like that. that's yeah. really what it was at that time i don't think we're ever gonna ever get to that point everybody at school was either wearing an nwo shirt or yep. a Goldberg shirt or an austin shirt and that was dx a, dx that when that was a topic of conversation like you get into school on tuesday and everyone's talking about what happened monday on wrestling on, on raw yep. nitro and it was like i remember i had a teacher his name is mr puckett in in the fourth grade and, and he was like the cool like male teacher in the school because like in elementary school all of the other teachers i think were women and like he was like the one guy teacher and i just remember how cool i used to think he was because he like instead of like teaching us things about like subjects on tuesdays we talk about like how many people goldberg speared and stuff like that and it was like like that's how big of a deal it was to everybody yep. back then um, when Goldberg won the world title from Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome, you know, I grew up in Atlanta. So it was yeah. like on the school announcements the next morning was like, 
Bill Goldberg from Atlanta won the world title and uh, the Atlanta Falcons were there celebrating with them. It was like a, it was an announcement at school that this had happened the night before. I mean, like, so that it was just a different, it's just a different time, but I agree with everything you're saying though. Like if you like unpredictability and the idea of wrestlers popping up all over the place and stuff like that, then yes. But I would also, and this is part of why I, I say this often and I stand by it. I think right now we're living in the best time ever to be a pro wrestling fan because of all the options and how high level the talent is and the accessibility. And there's a lot of factors through why I think that, but a big part of the factor is honestly, if I were to go back and watch the stuff that I love from the attitude era right now, a lot of it's kind of cringe. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it doesn't hold up the way that it does. It's different, right? Like when you look at it through your, you know, different eyes, like, you know, I, I could be the biggest, uh, the biggest mighty ducks fan in the world. But like, even I can recognize like the goofiness of like D three, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, but, but I can still appreciate that. I loved it when I was a kid, you know, but like it just, sometimes just doesn't age great over time. I mean, honestly, like even being a manian stone cold was there. Like it definitely felt like the time had passed that whole thing by like people were there to celebrate it, but it just, it wasn't the same. Cause I've been, in the arena when Austin was like the guy and it was different. It was different. Like it was more so like, Hey, this is, this was my favorite wrestler when I was a kid, you should cheer for him too. And like, people were excited for him, but it wasn't like this, like, like the connection wasn't there. It is hard to explain, but it just, it, it, it wasn't the same. Yeah. Um, because he embodied that whole era. And like I said, like that's what made the Cena PG era something is like he embodied that era. Right. And same thing with the Hogan in the 80s. Like that's the 80s and 90s. Like that's what he represented. So and you know what? This is kind of a fair point. AEW fans talking about goofiness. Hey, there's plenty of goofy stuff happening in modern day wrestling for sure. Whether it's Definitely. AEW, the indies, whatever, like there, there's plenty of goofy stuff. I mean, I watch. I watch some super, super niche type of things, especially on the indie scene. Um, so trust me, I get where you're coming from being a WWE fan and all. I, I totally get it. I just, um, but it, both, both things can be true. Like there is goofiness now, but there was also a lot of goofiness then. You know what I mean? But it's like, it's like at the same point, like, are you awarded for that goofiness? Like, yeah, you put up with a couple of goofy matches or a goofy segment or whatever, but then you've got like a match of the year candidate on a dynamite. The other 95% you know I mean? of the show rules. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, so like, I don't, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like that's, exactly. that's how I feel. Um, it, I, but the problem was like going back to like WWE, like you put up with a lot of goofiness, bad matches, bad storylines. And you're just like, man, this sucks all the way around. You, you don't have that feeling with AEW. When you start forgetting, like, it's so sad that, like, I'm so disconnected from the product that, you know, when I watch once a month on pay-per-view, I'm sitting there and I'm like, damn, like, I love AJ Styles. I love Kevin Owens. Yeah. Like, I love Seth Rollins. And, of course, I love Cody Rhodes. Everyone knows that. But, like, you start watching this and you're like, damn, like, these guys still rule. It's just, like, they're just in the the wrong system for, like, what their skill sets are, what they should be doing and accomplishing but like aj styles right now is just as good as he ever was it's just sad that i'm not interested enough to watch which is wild. yeah yeah no i i'm i'm, I'm with you um 
that's why like at least i look forward to the pay-per-views because i get to see them perform and hopefully they give me something i like you know what i mean but like nothing's guaranteed on that either but it is what it is um we have a roh pay-per-view this weekend as well yeah and uh i watched some of the countdown show before because it came on at like eight o'clock on youtube um and i think this is a really good card i looking forward to this show uh some people are upset that it's 40 dollars. i think that's too much but i think a lot of that has to do too with like discovery and what they want to charge and all that in the pay-per-view market and like you just got like the ufc's talking about going 74.99 per pay-per-view so 40 compared to 74.99 i mean you know that's not outrageous in my opinion 40 plus we're getting a rematch of the match of the year in a two out of three falls which i thought was an interesting um I thought it was an interesting stipulation. I don't know how much I love the idea just because I'm not always the biggest fan of two out of three falls because it's like they, they don't kick out of stuff that they normally would kick out if it was just one match. They just sound like, okay, here's the finish. There it is. So, you know, and they usually always go down to a tie one versus one. Who's going to get the final fall. So I remember there was like that one Ric Flair versus Mick Foley match in WWE was like a hardcore match. And I remember, yep. Foley won two to one, and I was like, "That never happens." <laughs> right? Yeah, another right. one of those flare ones. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I. But I think it's going to be great. I'm really looking forward to Daniel Garcia and Wheeler Yuta, yep. just because I don't think people understand that these guys already have a lot of chemistry. I really enjoy their sit down interview in this countdown show. Show both their personalities um, and they both represent their their group so that's the way that they're treating it too they're not acting like that they're not part of this group and like you know i'm here for the blackpool combat club i'm here for the jericho appreciation society um and it's kind of like all these matches that they've been having it's been these group matches and you know empty arena match or full arena or anarchy in the arena and uh the uh, steel cage match, blood and guts, but like they just haven't had their one-on-one match, and now they're finally going to have their one-on-one match for the ROH Pure Wrestling title, and uh, I think it's going to be really good. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's probably like besides Briscoe's and FTR rematch, that's probably the the match I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, that that is the match I'm looking forward to the most, mainly because I was such a I was waving that flag for both these guys for a while on the indies and like, you know, they've wrestled each other before, like you said, with the chemistry and like they've had great matches. Um, So I think it's really cool. I think they're going to really stand out on this show as something as kind of like the dark horse. Like when, when most, especially kind of even somewhat casual fans look at this card, they're like Claudio and Gresham, even even if they don't know much about Gresham, it's like, they know he's our rich world champion and he has been for a long time. And, and Claudio is obviously Claudio and you got Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal, both big names for a long time. FGR and Briscoe's, like you said, match of the year running that back. Um, Serena Deeb, I really hope she wins ROH Women's Championship. I'd love to see that because I'm such a big fan of, of her in ring work. But 
Wheeler Yuta and Danny Garcia, I think, probably flying a little under the radar for people, and like they're gonna really show out. I think the best match of the night will probably still be FTR versus Briscoes, but like, yeah, if I had to choose something outside of that, I think that Yuta and Garcia are gonna are gonna put on like they're gonna make it a point to stand out on a show like this. I feel like we're also getting Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio Casanoli. Um, that's kind of sudden. Like, I didn't really think Claudio would be in this picture already. I really don't see how Jonathan Gresham wins this match. I, I feel like Claudio is going to win the ROH title. Um, and I'm not, I'm not having really, I don't really have a problem with that. I'm just curious what they have plans for with Gresham. And uh, I, I think it'll be an interesting style match. You know, he just wrestled Zack Sabre Jr. It's kind of the same type of style, but uh, maybe this one will be a little bit more technical. Um, so yeah, that, that one's interesting. And then, uh, we have Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal has a lot of buildup, so I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, there's a horrible pro wrestler involved in this angle that I don't even want to mention his name. Sanjay Dutt. No, definitely not him. No, Sanjay Dutt. Yeah, I'm not. Yes. I'm not going to even joke yep. about Sanjay Dutt. I know who you're talking about. Respect to Sanjay. Yeah. Um, TNA but, legend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, X Division. X Division. But, legend. Yeah. but I. Uh, uh, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Like, it definitely has the ability to be a good match, but I feel like there's going to be a lot of, like, goofy interference and things like that, so we'll see. But I am looking forward to that. Um, so, yeah, this is, this is a pretty damn good card, and uh, I definitely recommend ordering this show. And then after this, like, we're on the road to All Out. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm hoping that we get some more clarity on the MJF situation. I'm hoping that Kenny Omega could possibly be back for All Out. So they're, 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 wrestling has been kind of in a lull with all the injuries, and there's not a lot of buzz going on. But I feel like we're getting close to, to picking back up and getting some momentum going, and I'm looking forward to that for sure. For sure. Let's do uh, – I'll just run through real quick, just quick uh, predictions for yeah. ROH. Um, I'm going to take Deeb over Martinez to win the women's title. What about you? I am too. I don't necessarily think that Tony's the biggest fan of Mercedes Martinez. And I think that he's a big believer in Serena Deeb. That's why I think that she's in this match. And I think that he would rather have her be the ROH uh, women's champion. That That's just my opinion. though. I know nothing. Yeah. Well, no, I, th- I think it makes a lot of sense for her to win the title. Like, cause she's been so close to winning the AEW women's title multiple times. And like, she, I always talk about it, like, I to me, she's on that level of like her and Charlotte and like Thunder Rosa, as far as like overall, you know, there's others that I like a lot. Like, I really like Masha Slamovich, I really like Chris Statlander. Like, I think that she's only going to keep getting better. She's already really good. There's a lot of women I could throw out there, but like, Shereen is on that list for me of like my favorites. What I like uh, about Statlander too is she has naturally got herself over, yeah. Like, they didn't necessarily want like when it got to her and Ruby Soho, like the right before the pay-per-view, the crowd had chose Statlander. They wanted her over Ruby. And Ruby had the machine more behind her. And the people are just haven't given up on Statlander. So for I sure. think that she just naturally got herself over. For sure, for sure. So we both got Serena Deeb. Um FTR Briscoe's. Do you think FTR holds on to the titles here or the Briscoes win them back? 
really just depends on what they want to do with the Briscoes long term. Like, are they actually going to be in Ring of Honor? Because if they are, then I feel like the Briscoes would win them back. And I don't necessarily see the Briscoes just keep signing up to lose, right? Like, they they could just do independence or whatever. Um, but FTR is on a run. But even if they lose, they still have two other titles. They have the AAA titles and they have the IWGP titles. I'm torn on this. I think FTR still going to win, but I would love to see the Briscoes win. I'm going to go. My gut instinct is FTR wins because of yeah. the belt collecting and everything going on. But there's a part of me that's like, maybe the Briscoes beat FTR and eventually the Young Bucks beat the Briscoes for the ROH titles. And that's how they get Young Bucks and rftr set back up eventually somehow like the you know if they got the aw titles involved like you know let's say let's say ftr loses the roh tag titles with the briscoes but then still goes on to win the aw tag team titles at some point in the near future but the young bucks will kind of swoop in and get the ring of honor tag title off the briscoes at some point and they can still do the like kind of big winner take all match eventually i don't know the, the big question mark is the is the briscoes with like are they a part of ring of honor going forward are they yep. still not allowed to be a part of AEW? Like, how do they fit in? Um, we haven't seen them in GCW really lately and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. My gut's telling me FTR. Um, I'm going to take Briscoes just for the sake of – of because they need – they kind of need to win, too. You can't – like you said, you can't just keep losing every time you have a match like this. So, yep. Um, yeah, I'll take the Briscoes, actually. But all right, it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one to to go with. Like I said, my gut my gut is all FTR, but like my mind's a little more Briscoes. Um, Wheeler Yuta, Daniel Garcia. This is like a 50-50 coin flip for me. Um, yeah, I really don't know, and I'm I'm super fine with either outcome. Like I'll, I love both options. Um. But I'll take Daniel Garcia. It's just a little something different. And him with the appreciate Jericho Appreciation Society, he brings like a different element to that with that title being a pure wrestler. That could be interesting. So I'll go Daniel Garcia. Yeah. Um, I, I'm torn on this one too. The The only reason I'm going to pick Wheeler Yuta, I actually want Daniel Garcia to win this, but the reason I'm picking Wheeler Yuta is I think that Claudio and Wheeler are both going to win and it's going to add titles to the Blackpool Combat Club and then you will also have Moxley as champion. So now the group will just be way more decorated in, in, in titles and championships, more prestige added to the group. Because if Daniel Garcia wins, he's the only one in Jericho Appreciation Society that has a belt. And it just, I, I just don't think it really fits the story of what they're trying to do. Yeah, I, I think all that makes sense, which you just said as well. So, yeah, I'm interested to see where they go with that. Chase Oliver says uh, Garcia can make it the ROH Sports Entertainment Championship. That'd be, that'd be pretty interesting, a story like that. And I, I'd, be, um, I'd be fine with that. Maybe even like he changes the rules to the pure title and it's only now sports entertainment matches, you know what I mean? Or something like that. That would really yeah. piss people off. <laughs> so, so yeah, I guess, I mean, like I said, this is a 50, 50 coin flip for me. I'm not really making much of a prediction, but I will, I'll, I'll say Dan Garcia, you're going to go Wheeler Yuta. Um, yeah. 
Samoa Joe, Jay Lethal, TV title. I'm going to say Samoa Joe retains the TV title here. Yeah, I agree. I think that's what's happening. Yeah, and I guess eventually we're building to Satinum Singh versus Samoa Joe, but I, I imagine that's happening on AEW TV at some point. But AEW Dark, something like that. AEW Dark. <laughs> and then uh, Jonathan Gresham, Claudio Castagnoli for the ROH World title. Um, oh, man. This is so tough. Like, I once again, like I'm yeah, I'm gonna go Claudio also. I know I, I believe you are as well, based on what yeah. you're saying, but I whew, I don't know if I love the idea, but it, I, I don't hate it, I don't love it. I want to see how it goes down. I like Gresham as the ROH champion a lot. Um, but I mean, like Claudio's riding a lot of momentum leaving the WWE, and like yeah. this is like a real reset for him, and he makes perfect think- sense as the ROH champion. I also think he's heading into a storyline with Eddie Kingston probably after the Jericho feud. So I, I just, I, I don't know how they're going to uh, handle that because if that's the case, then him being the champion might not be the best thing. So I'm a little torn. I'm not sure. Um, it's interesting. It could go either way. And I feel like Jonathan Gresham really fits what ring of honor is supposed to be. But I also feel like Claudio is an old school guy that never won the title. So it's like to make up a, a, a wrong, to make a wrong right. You know what I mean? So I, I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards Claudio. I just don't see, because here's the thing. At the end of the day, more people know who Claudio is than they did Jonathan Gresham. And I just sure. don't know if it's the best idea to have all this hype behind him debuting and everything and then losing to a guy that's barely been on Dynamite or Rampage. And... I hate to say it, he's 5'3". It would look really interesting to a lot of these fans and don't know who Jonathan Gresham is to see him go out there and like beat a guy that's a specimen like Claudio. I just think that that would be a tough sell. Yeah, so we both got Claudio there. I, I yeah, well, well, I like I said, like I I'm I'm for Claudio winning. It's just. It's also it's hard to know what like the future of Ring of Honor yes. looks like too. Like that's what makes part of this so hard to know. Like, you know, how much more is this going to be involved in like WWE or AEW um like storyline on their TV and stuff going forward and stuff too? Will it be too many belts to have all all over the place? And you know, like I don't know, I don't know. I like what they've done so far, and I, I think that the show's going to rule. Like all the matches are. I mean, it's. I think it's definitely going to be worth the, the forty dollars on on people. Yeah. Like you know, that's you know, this is going to be a great wrestling show. But um, I, yeah. I and I do think we get surprises. Yeah. Whether that's some people leaving AEW and going to the ROH brand or whatever the case may be, I definitely think there will be some surprises there. Yeah, I think there'll be some surprises as well. We got uh, at least one more Super Chat. Chris, what's up? Yep. Thanks, Chris. Super Chat from Chris. Great member of our community as well. Evening, boys. How many buys do you think ROH does this weekend? In my opinion, anything close to 50,000 buys is a huge win. I think it hits 50,000. I definitely think it hits 50,000. Um, I don't think it hits 100,000, but I think it goes a little over 50,000. I'll just say that. I yeah, I'll that, take that. Uh, I think the I think the Briscoes and FTR is a tough match for a wrestling fan to turn down. Like I think that that rematch is something that people we didn't expect to get. 
And I, and I just think that that's a hard one to turn down. And then you add on all the other stuff, Claudio and Jonathan Gresham, that's a big one. You add, like I said, Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia and then Joe, Samoa Joe and Jay Lethal. Like that's, it's, it's a stacked ROH card. So I, I think, I think it could do a little bit more than 50,000. I'd probably say 75,000 is probably the ceiling, but I, I think it'll hit somewhere around there. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that same prediction between between 50 and 100 and then i think there was another super chat from a little bit earlier oh yes alex Fitzgerald. awesome man thank you i really appreciate that um how do you see them using roh moving forward after this pay-per-view i'm interested to see what the roster will be and how it will tie in with aew yeah uh do you think we'll get an announcement of anything at the pay-per-view man i mean maybe i mean they probably should get something out there for to like let people know kind of what's going on like that's what's so weird about the whole thing with ring of honor is like no like real tv thing worked out tony khan owns it but like the main priority has got to be aew and then he's got all the other stuff going on in professional sports so it's like it'd be good to know what the future is but i mean even if the future is just one-off pay-per-views like four times a year or whatever that's fine too but how does that tie in with like having to promote it on AEW and stuff like that? Like, right. What, what, what is the prestige level of like a ring of honor world championship? If it only gets defended, you know, three or four times a year or whatever, how does that change the perception of like what the point of being the champion is and all that stuff? I mean, who knows? I really don't know. I mean, the lineage of these titles obviously means a lot and the, the company itself and everything, but. Um, if I'm pushing back to, if I'm like in discovery, discovery or whatever and i'm like why don't we just put aew on this title and we can sell more pay-per-views like why are we going to stick with roh if like you don't have a tv deal if you don't have anything else like why don't we just make this aew death before dishonor you know what i mean right no that's that's a a very valid point um so yeah because like I, i really don't think that there's like a need for like a weekly ring of honor show with like how much wrestling there already is available um so it's like you know i don't i'm not saying like i don't like the idea of like i'd check the show out for sure i'd probably review it for the weekender again um because they used to review their shows every week when it was running off their website but like so what i would do especially if i'm in live attendance i would have roh be the first hour or whatever um at a dynamite and then Mm. because they do dark and nobody cares right and you're just you're just basically watching a decent size aw star versus a jobber in a local area that's basically what they do and so I would just make that ROH because then if you're buying a ticket, you're getting ROH, you're getting Dynamite, and you're getting Rampage. Now, granted, that's a long night of wrestling, and trust me, you feel it. But um, I just think that makes more sense, and it's more appealing for people that are buying tickets. That makes sense. That's probably the way to do it if if they are going to do it. You just put it like like for free on YouTube. Yeah, maybe, but I mean, even if you, let's say you did get a deal with like HBO Max or whatever, but like you need a way to get people in the door. I think selling tickets, running it as a completely separate company, like I don't think that that's the answer. 
I think doing it more so maybe if it gets bigger. Yeah. But right now, not so much. Like imagine, imagine if you went to a raw, but you got like a legit NXT show right before raw, like you feel like you had your money's worth. Like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like when NXT was NXT. No, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the idea of that. That's probably, that probably is the idea that makes the most sense. Just do it before dynamite and stuff. Yeah. I, I just think that that makes the most sense because you've already got people in the door and you don't have to sell the extra tickets and hope that, you know, it does well and all that stuff. Um, and I don't think ROH makes sense as a studio show. Like, I just don't think that that makes sense at all. So no, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, and, and maybe you just do it to where to every other week or whatever. I'm not sure, but. The thing that I love about Tony is, is like, if he's going to put it together, he tries to make it worth people's while, right? He's not just here to just like, hey, here's our ROH show and the show sucks. Like, he's going to give you some great matches and stuff that you're really going to enjoy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, because at the end of the day, one of us, right? Like, I mean, he grew up on Ring of Honor. Now he owns it. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to tarnish the legacy of this and be the reason why the wrestling fans, you know, turn on the legacy of this company and stuff like he wants to do it justice and you can yep. tell it by the booking of the shows like with who he's getting involved and you know i'm sure there's people he'd like to get involved that maybe he can or that are injured and stuff i mean tony khan i always say it like if if you if you have come up with an idea that has to do with AEW or ring of honor or whatever like if you come up with it as a, as a fan i guarantee you tony khan has also come up with that idea that he's thought yep. he's thought of that as well um so it's just a matter of like what winds up on our television ultimately, but yeah, um, no, it's it's cool to see what he's. I mean, this is what we were asking for too. You know, when Ring of Honor was in limbo and the Sinclair stuff and everything, we talked about that you know on this show plenty of times. Just the idea of like, man, maybe Tony should just buy it. We said the same thing about Impact Wrestling and Tony. Like, maybe Tony will just buy it. You know, like, yep, like why not? He's got the money. You know, he could he can he can do something with this if he wants to so i need i need tony to get to like train some some people where he's a mentor and he's got some people coming in the up and up so then it's like he can buy more companies and then they can run it and then you can just have like a big uh share of the wealth of all sorts of different wrestling companies you know what i mean because yeah i just i trust tony's vision um he needs like his his like gabe sapolsky type guy Yes, like definitely, yeah. but like, is that is that QT? Is that somebody? Is that Christopher Daniels? Is that you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it kind of was Cody. I felt like, yeah. Well, <laughs> scratch that. Yeah, um, but yeah. Um, and for those of you who don't know, maybe if you're maybe a newer fan or something, but like, uh. Paul Heyman, when he ran ECW, his right-hand man was Gabe Sapolsky. He was, like, his yeah. shadow assistant, basically. And, like, Gabe obviously eventually went on to, like, he founded Ring of Honor, right? And then, of course, Evolve and everything. So, like, so, yeah, if Tony could maybe get someone like that, that he can, like, really kind of, I mean, because that'd be good to, to have some people that, like, have someone else be able to run Ring of Honor. And, like, maybe you just got to, sign off on a couple things but like you don't right. you shouldn't have to be running the day to day 
that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you like have a have a floor plan. You know, this is what we want to do and all this stuff. But like the whole day to day stuff, like leave that for something else. Focus on just dynamite or rampage or whatever the case may be. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think much about it. I, I, I it's kind of weird. Like, I don't know. I don't know when he bought ROH, what exactly his vision was. Mm -hmm. And I think no matter what, though, he owns the film library, which is very valuable. And I think that that's very good that it will not be in the WWE's hands. So I, I definitely appreciate that. But I just don't know how long that goes. What I mean, and there's a lot of like weight, too, with like the way CM Punk you know, and some other guys, but CM Punk is the one that really sticks out is like the way he reacted to it. Like when he was telling Tony, like he was like crying, he was tearing up. He's like, it's so good to know that you're the one who owns this footage. Like, yep. I know I'm going to be done right going forward with this footage. Like, you know, so that's cool. That's really cool. But I also think Punk has no idea about like the distribution of streaming and how like it's not that easy. Like you're gonna get your royalty check. Like I don't know about that. Nobody, nobody has figured out streaming yet. Right. That's that's the interesting thing. So that's you know, true. DVD sells. It was easy because it's like okay, you sold this many, you get a cut of this, whatever. But like streaming, like so many people watch this, so you get this. Like, and then it's like most of these companies have to take a big L just to get it going. They have to take a huge loss for years. Then, gain, then once they get subscriber based enough, then they can actually make profit. So that's like the last thing they want to do is pay you royalties off of this. So it, it's an interesting situation. Um, huh. Have you actually watched one yeah. of these shows? I, I've seen some clips like, cause I wanted to see kind of what, like what actually was going on and it's it's brutal like there's like hardly anyone there and like it seems it's kind of quiet and like it's weird it's weird like I, it's funny that it's like, like film though like yeah it, it, it's like uh it reminds me kind of like a taped impact at like uh the studios but like in a weird dark way i don't know i i gave it a shot uh there's a pro wrestling app on roku and i i saw it on there so i was like okay i'll watch some of this and i saw like a ec3 little promo he did and then out came scotty to hottie and i was just like man this sucks like it doesn't even feel like an actual show it feels almost like a really low budget movie but yeah. like filming wrestling like i don't i don't really know what they're trying to do it's so weird too how like like you know for all those years everyone was like man i know you've had your experience like seeing ec3 live and like he won you over with you know the way he, yeah you know he did stuff and he interacted with people and it's just so kind of funny how like he when he was in the wwe everyone was so like man he's got to get out like he's getting done so dirty on raw yeah and, and it's like He's so much bigger than this and better than this. And like, if he can just do his own thing and his run as EC3 and TNA was so good and all this stuff. And then it's like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe he just like, like this, this is his creative masterpiece is like this stuff. Like not only that, like Braun Strowman was getting pushed to the moon and everybody's like, Oh man, they just won't give him the belt and they keep doing him dirty. 
I never thought in a million years he would leave to start this type of company. Like I thought that yeah. he would want to go to Impact or something like that, AEW. I did not think that he'd want to come out with this. And like, forget the fact of like the whole controversy of it being like some redneck organization or whatever the case, but like, it's just bad. Like if it was, if it was like rednecks, but actually really quality wrestling with like a good entertaining show, I'd watch it. I don't really care, but it's the fact that like, it's just a bad wrestling show. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't seen much more than like, I just wanted to see this kind of something i think I, I think i literally just watched like it was like the equivalent of like a instagram story where it was like clips of and it wasn't even like meant to be funny or something it wasn't it wasn't like a smear video it was like just literally some like highlights i'm going to put together of control your narrative so probably the better aspects of the show and i was watching it and i was like this is just kind of lame and they had like the room where like you can go control your own narrative. It's like a boiler room thing where they like talk to you, I guess. And so it was just weird. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like this niche like part of the fan base. I mean, there's some people that seem to really like it, and like that's fine if that's your thing. But like, it's just kind of funny or interesting, I guess. How it just like it just seems to be such a non-factor in like the overall wrestling space that it just feels like no one really cares about what's going on and. So many of the people that they've brought on, like, I don't want to sit here and get in a whole debate over, you know, masks and COVID and all that stuff. But, like, they get involved with a lot of people that a lot, I mean, a lot of the wrestling fan base is going to love that they're saying and doing the stuff that they're saying. Because they're like, you know, they, you know, their views align with that. But there's also a really big chunk of the wrestling fan base that doesn't like those things. So it's like, you're really excluding a big part of the fan base just based on who you're hiring for the shows and then like and you're a startup like you're a startup you can't really like cut your fan base in half and then hope for the best like exactly it it makes no sense and i like some of those guys like i like ec3 i like flip gordon i like austin aries like i i you know i wish him the best but i i don't think this is gonna work at all no i think it's pretty much proven that it that it hasn't right yeah like but I mean, they got like this whole tour thing. Like, that's not going to sell tickets. They announced like some twenty-five city tour, and I'm really? just like, oh yeah. And I'm just like, they even coming to Houston, and I'm I'm like, no way in hell. No Did you see what venue they're running? Because it's what what is it somewhere that holds like a few hundred people? I don't know, but I would love to know it because I wish they would like Loco would go to that instead than this hot ass building it's 107 <laughs> degrees outside and there's no ac like i'm sorry i'm not paying 40 dollars to watch a wrestling show in 107 degrees with a bunch of people that are all sweaty and stinky and it's mm. just it sucks like i'm fine with 85 even 90 but man like 100 it's brutal so yeah, I won't be going to Loco. Although I really am looking forward to Joe Alonzo versus Fuego. They've been built that thing for so long. And uh, I really had a, I really enjoyed uh, Joe Alonzo's uh, podcast with Anthony Ego or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did it with him and he kind of explained backstage what happened with AEW and where he went wrong and who he pissed off and all this stuff. And it was pretty interesting about like, that whole thing because i i believe in that kid like he's very good he has a presence about him that um he pushes it too far 
but he's very good on the mic and it's very noticeable. Um, he's not necessarily the best in the ring, but like when Joe grabs the mic, he immediately has the crowd. And uh, I respect, I respect Joe for that. So I'm hoping good things for him and Fuego. Uh, I hope they have a good match. Yeah. Yeah. For That's sure. actually like this weekend. Guys. Loco is uh, this weekend. So, Nice. Uh, but I mean, am I going to go watch ROH on pay-per-view or I'm going to go sit in a building with 200 people sweating to death at 107 degrees? I'm going <laughs> to pass on that. So, yeah. Uh, Dirty with another super chat. Thank you so much, Dirty. I really appreciate it. Uh, do you think Usman would do well at 205? Uh, with the current contenders at 205? Yeah, probably. Because there's not many wrestlers in that group. Yeah, and he could strike too. I mean, and I, I imagine him being like fifteen pounds bigger. Yeah, Juan, but you said, but they said Usman at two hundred five, so you have to jump the middleweights. And I mean, that's a big, but but the, I mean, he's a big guy though. I'm sure if he didn't have to cut weight, yeah, he probably yeah. walks around like that anyway. I, I bet he'd be about two two seventeen to two twenty two. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, because that's the thing is like, if you can go in there and, and <clears throat> yeah, his, his standups gotten better, but like, if it comes down to it, if it was like him standing across the cage from Glover to share and to share his like landing body shots and stuff, Usman is probably going to be able to, to get him to the ground. Um, although I mean, to has got good, he's well-rounded, but you, you know what I mean? Like Prohaska and to and all those guys, I guess Prohaska is technically the champion. Now I forgot that. He won with 30 seconds left. That fight was so Although good. respect to Prohaska for yeah. giving Glover the rematch. Yeah. I love that. Huge respect. Huge respect for both guys. Huge respect. And I love the fact that like he was getting his ass kicked and it was not going his way. And then he wins. And he just gets up like he didn't do anything. Like it's like, okay. Yeah. No problem. And now he's so bothered by his performance that it was even that close or that he was in that much danger that he must give him rematch to redeem himself. You know what I mean? When I like that Glover has also admitted, he's like, I don't know why the hell I went for that guillotine. Like, right. Like, you know, and neither do I. I had Glover by TKO mm. in a parlay, and that was like, yep. oh, my God, I would have won good money that night. Yeah, it's – uh, yeah, <laughs> that was frustrating. But I also almost just like – as like a YOLO bet, I almost put money on uh, your Prohaska by fifth round submission just because the odds were like insanely high. It was like, you know, a $10 bet to win, you know, 200 bucks or whatever. So I, uh, I almost did that, but I, uh, I didn't cause I was like, Oh, it's pretty, that's just too unlikely that, that I might as well just keep my $10. Um, what a warrior year he is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with Usman, I, I, listen, I don't think he can just all of a sudden not cut weight and be at 205. He would have to take like a good eight yeah. months to a year off to muscle. get to 205 and put on muscle. So what he is right now doesn't mean that that's what he will be at 205. So like I said, I think he needs about 15, 20 pounds of size, which I, I mean, he's a he's a beast athlete. He could do it. Um, it would be interesting to see where he would be at because he already is very powerful. He already is a great wrestler. Um, it's just the question is, can he carry the weight? Will it gas him out? Because one of his big factors is his cardio yeah. and putting on that much weight might really affect his cardio. 
But I don't think 205 is full of killers just yet. I do think the height is going to be an issue. I don't think he's uh, that tall, and there's a lot of guys that are pretty big. So um, it would be interesting. I would love to see him go to 185, and I think that's definitely possible if Usman loses to uh, Pereira. So I, if, I think, uh, oh, no, if, uh, yeah, Adesanya loses. Not Adesanya, I'm sorry, Adesanya, because then Usman's like, oh, I take him down all day. He can't stop my takedown. I'll finish him, and then he could be champ, champ. You know, him which and, I hate. And, I hate champ, champ, but right it is what it is. And yeah, Adesanya and Usman will fight each other, both being like, Nigerian and everything. They're close. Yeah. Like, that that won't happen. So yeah, no, I think if Pereira wins the title, we could see Usman move up. I think it's possible. Hey, I think it's possible Leon Edwards might be Usman. I'm not. I'm not betting on Edwards. I'm just saying, like, no one's given Edwards a chance, and it's like I agree. He's a good contender. Like, he deserves yeah. the title shot. Yep. So great fighter, and Usman, he's at that stage where he's getting kind of bored. He just wait. Doesn't really think anybody can challenge him. He's been off a long layoff. He had hand surgery that dealt with like his ligaments and stuff. So, I mean, like, you never know. Like, he might, like, Edwards might catch him on a comeback. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look at what is happening with Talia Santos and uh, Valentina Shevchenko. Like, yep. I mean, Shevchenko barely squeaked by with that decision win. But, I mean, I thought she lost the fight. I love Shevchenko. But it's like, you know, like, sometimes these champions, they may get a little too comfortable or underestimate someone. And you just, you never know. I mean, Edwards. Usman's beaten Edwards before, but it was before you know Edwards was, or before Usman was the champion and stuff. It was a it was a while back, but yeah, I'm, I mean, and you have to imagine. I mean, if Chimeyev just if he beats Nate Diaz, no matter how he beats him, uh, he'll get the next title shot. So, and that's what I think the UFC really wants is Chimeyev versus Usman. Yep, I I I definitely think that's it. I mean, if you get Pereira versus Adesanya, Glover versus Yuri, Chimea versus Usman, Oliveira versus Islam, like uh, John Jones versus Stipe. Like you're talking about some real big headlining bangers. You know what I mean? So, and I think if Juliana wins um, again, then I think it's Juliana and Valentina. I yeah, think- I agree. So that I mean, like, you're talking about a absolute loaded future for the UFC. Speaking of that, there's the UK card this weekend as well, correct? Yeah, I think that's. I think the main event for that is Tom Aspinall and Curtis Blades. Yep, it is, which is, I mean, Aspinall's been like I think I think Curtis Blades is a more well-rounded fighter, but Aspinall has been a killer, and like he's right there. Where like if he goes, if he starches Curtis Blades, like he's probably the next title challenger. Once they get like the Stipe and Jones and Nganu, all that figured out, he's like the next guy in line, probably. Yep. He's a good matchup. I think Blades might just take him down, though. Um, but I think if I say his standing, Aspinall is going to, is going to, I think this can, I mean, this is, this is like the big coming out party for Aspinall, it feels like. He's gotten some quality wins up to this point, but like this is, this is the one that puts him in contention if he wins. Who do you think, who, who do you think wins? I think Aspinall's going to win. Blades yeah. always Blades always finds a way to, to lose. It's almost kind of like a... Well, once Alice, you get to a certain 
Like he beats yeah. everyone up until like number one contender, pretty much. Right. Kind of thing. But yeah. like even even when he's getting knocked out or whatever happens, like he's winning those fights. It just right. something happens, something goes wrong. He just all of a sudden, for whatever reason, can't get that takedown, or he got lazy at that point, or you know whatever. He just eventually gets caught. So I feel like that that's definitely gonna gonna hurt him. Yeah, I just feel like Aspinall just got a lot of momentum. He's super confident in his hands. And if Blades comes in for a takedown, I think he's expecting to be ready for that. And if Aspinall can land like a nice uppercut or something on the way in and just follow it up, like I think I think Aspinall by by knockout or TKO is probably the the best prediction for this fight. Yeah. And that's that's also I mean, that's gonna be a tough environment for Blades to be in. Yeah. Like, that in the is UK. Uh, yeah. Whew. That is a that's probably one of the worst places you can you can be at for uh to like to be the visitor. So I'm I'm pulling the rest of the card up real quick. Um because I, I remember seeing it the other day and it looked pretty good. By the way, Ortega and Rodriguez, that was a bummer that that just Oh, that sucked. Yeah. Oh yeah, I wanna know what else sucked. Not only that though, like <laughs> Do you give um, Yair credit for that win? Yeah. Because technically the submission is what popped it. Like, yes, yeah. when he backed out, that's really what did him in. But, like, that yeah. that wear on it is what popped it. Yeah, exactly. And that's also hard to make that decision on, like, especially for, like, betting reasons. Like, do yep. you call it a sub or a TKO? Like that's or tough. no contest, like because if he just got right. injured just backing out and you don't actually give any credit towards the submission, you could have done it that way too. So I didn't know which way they're gonna go. But when they gave yeah. him the victory, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. It sucks, but like at the end of the day, like the main reason that he was injured was because of the submission that he was in. Yeah, I would have preferred actually if it wound up being a uh, a no contest, just because I had that in a parlay with some other stuff. And I would have won the parlay if that one went to a no contest just because I won everything else. It would have been less of a payout, but the, um, I had Yair. Oh, actually I chose either guy to win in the fourth round. So it didn't, didn't matter who won in the fourth round. I thought it was going to go to the fourth and I thought Yair was just going to outstrike him by that point, or maybe Ortega would catch him or something. But, um, but I came real close to winning some good money. Um, Oh man, Ricky Simone. I took him by knockout, and he pretty much knocked the dude out, and then he choked him. And I was yep. like, dude, like all you had to do was just just punch him one more time instead of going with submission, and I win money. But that's the way she goes, you know. But um, but that was a good, you know, it was a good, it was a good fight card this this upcoming weekend. Uh, yeah, so Aspinall and Curtis Blades. Jack Hermanson and Chris Curtis is a good middleweight fight. Um, I'll take Hermanson in that one. Yeah. Um, you got Hermanson as well? Uh, I'm not sure about that, but it can yeah. go either way. I'm not sold on Hermanson. I kind of feel like that he's taken some some damage where he might be more closer to the end than the, than sure. the, the prime. Yeah, he's kind of a wild card. Yeah. Um, Patty, Pimble, Patty Pimble back in action. Against yep. Jordan Leavitt. Um, I don't know. I don't know much about his opponent. 
Yeah. But, uh, man, Patty gets caught every single time he fights. I know. So I, I just don't know who he's facing. But, like, I feel like the moment that he faces somebody that's, like, real legit, it's not going to go well. Yeah, no. But I, it's a I, lot I, of fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun watching him fight, coming to the ring, got a lot of hype. Um, they would love for him to be, like, Conor McGregor good, but I, I just don't see that happening. But yeah, like you said, eventually because he gets he gets hit hard and dropped in like every fight, and eventually one of these guys is just gonna put him out with that. Yeah. So like one of these guys is gonna learn like it's not just one shot, and they are gonna hit him with a combination that he just is not gonna recover from. Exactly. Exactly. This this main this main card actually rules. Like the other fights, we got a Nikita Krylov versus Alexander Gustafson. I'll take oh, Krylov wow. in that one, just because I think Gustafson's kind of washed. Is that back but... to two hundred five? Yeah, back to 205 for Gustafson. Yeah. yeah. Short Senate heavyweight. Um got Molly McCann versus Hannah Goldie. Molly that's, a, that's, always... a, that's a retirement mm-hmm. fight for Gustafson. I mean, you would think so. I mean, he's already retired before and came back. So like Yeah, knows. but I mean, like with this type of crowd, like he hasn't been able to be in front of that energy in foreign soil. Like I just see him being like losing and then retiring. Yeah. Molly McCann, you know, she'll she'll be over huge yep. uh, in the UK. Her and Pimblet pretty much are joined at the hip. Like what I kind of love though is they're booking the same people. Like, so it's like, okay, the next UK, and it's like the next time they fight, they're all on the same card again in the UK. Like UFC never does that. And I think that's yeah. dope. Yeah, I like that too. Um, and then the opener for the main show, I, I love this fight. One of my favorite fighters in the whole world paul craig versus volcano yeah. like that's a good ass light heavyweight okay. title fight and, okay. I, and i'll take paul craig by triangle all day yep like every time put that on the betting sheet yes i i will i will take paul craig by submission it's a matter of if i choose the round as well to like really try to get something um yep. and then some other ones worth uh bringing up on the prelims like Mark Dykesi is a is a solid fighter, especially in stand up. Uh, and uh, his opponent, Demir Hasdevic, um, he's solid as well. So that could be a good fight. Nathaniel Wood and Charles Rosa are both solid fighting each other. Uh, Mark Juan Americani and Jonathan Pierce are both solid. And there's a lot of really good, like on paper, this is a really good card. Like competitive prelim fights, and then the that main card is for for a free for a free fight night show, like that's a pretty stacked main card. I feel like, especially with it being in the UK and having so much UK talent on there. Like that's, it's going to, it should be a fun show, fun environment. The fans are probably going nuts. Like looking forward to it. Yeah. Like just, if just the environment alone, the big fight feel it'll have like the whole nine. Like I said, we, we've already seen most of these people on the card in front of a UK crowd. And now they're going to get basically it's like watching a sequel with new opponents. I think it's really cool idea. I like it a lot. So, uh, so you get, and that's in the daytime, correct? Yeah. I'm looking right now. The pre this is just like last weekend, the prelims start at 11 AM Eastern. So 10 AM your time. And then, uh, uh, main card starts at 2 PM, my time, 1 PM, your time. So it's 2, 2 PM Eastern. So, like, you can knock that out, and then you get Ring of Honor that night as well. My so, favorite kind of Saturdays. I love the I, UFC. And then I would think the G1 also would have a show also. So if you really just wanted to, you know, dedicate the whole thing and stay up late at night, you can watch the G1 as well. 
you, uh, GCW might have a show. Like they, you know, there yeah. might be a weekend that they're running. I, it's hard to keep up with GCW. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's there's good stuff coming up this weekend. So um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. And then also, uh, Terminus is here in Atlanta on Thursday, um, two days from now. I noticed that AEW is in Georgia. You didn't go to any of those? Mm-hmm. No, mainly because of my work schedule. I didn't want to ask off because I'm, I'm working late. So, like, I did want to have to ask off and then, like, drive down there and, like, miss part of the show and everything. Yeah. Um, and then part of it, too, was, like, I know Terminus is coming here. I'm going to try to get to the show on Thursday, but I'm going to have to be late to that. And then uh, Battle Slam is back the following Thursday in the same venue. So... I have I have some stuff that I could potentially go to, um, you know, over the next couple of weeks, but no, I would have liked to go to AEW, but yeah, I would just simply like the 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 balance of like I can keep my my paid time off for like a vacation later on versus like taking it now to go to a show that I can. It's very convenient where I like I get off work at eight p.m. and the show starts at eight p.m. So I literally like I clock out of work and then I turn my TV on and like. I can just watch Dynamite, you know, just easier. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I understand. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I think that's a good stopping point. Um, thanks for everybody that submitted Super Chats. I really appreciate the support. Um, thanks for everybody that tuned in. Like I said, thank you for coming into our community. You're always welcome. Definitely appreciate everybody that comes in. Please smash that like button if you haven't. Please subscribe if you haven't. And, uh, yeah, I'll – Real quick, any figure reveals that you would really love to see at San Diego Comic Con? Because they always drop stuff. Uh, no, I really I hadn't thought about it. I, I would say, I mean, we were just you you brought it up earlier, but anything that's like, if they had any kind of like NECA style, like a like a Three Ninjas or like a or like a Surf Ninjas or like like some some something. I would totally buy Surf Ninjas too. Yeah, especially if they have like the Rob Schneider in there and stuff mm-hmm. with the Ernie Reyes Jr. Like, dude, that yeah. The if they if they had some cool throwback type stuff to some movies, I'm really sentimental about. Um, that'd be cool. And then, like, I'll, I think that was where I saw that. I have to admit, it was the lame Brody Lee exclusive where oh, it's like literally the, the same figure which is just they changed the packaging yeah. yeah so um that was that was you know i was i was gonna say i hope there's like some cool AEW stuff but like that's like the exclusive so i don't know but they they usually show like what's coming so they're like yeah. even just some announcements of coming like the wwe i'm very curious what they're going to announce like mattel wise because they always have stuff sounds like elite 99 is cody rhodes and that's like four series from now so yeah. cody's gonna make his wwe debut in that and then um yeah but when it comes to legends now man i don't even know because like if you're if you're scratching the no holds bar like what 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 more can you do so and we've yeah. got mr t ultimates and all that type of stuff you know what i would love is a Lawrence Taylor Bam Bam Bigelow two like a two pack? I would love That'd be that. Dope. That'd be yeah dope. for for that WrestleMania. That would be sick. Yeah, yeah, something like that would be cool. Maybe AEW will announce uh, more of their Supremes or something. I could definitely see like a Kenny Omega Supreme. Um, you know what I would love? ROH CM Punk. Oh yeah, something like that would be yeah. They, I mean. 
eventually those kind of things are definitely going to be happening. But you can do um, that in that luminary. Like you can yeah. do it in the luminary and with like the yellow shorts, blonde hair, the whole thing. I think that would be sick. Yeah, I love that idea. So yeah, hopefully some some cool stuff like that. So Yep, for sure. All right, man, anything you want to plug? Uh this Thursday, 9 30 a.m. Eastern, youtube.com slash fightful. Myself and Jeremy Lambert do the spotlight. Our, uh, we'll be talking about a whole bunch of stuff in the world of wrestling. And then we already recorded our interview with Megabyte Ronnie, who is a pro wrestler and a competitive eater. So uh, check that out. Once again, that's this. That's every Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. Um, also, I did not get called into jury duty, so I made it onto the show last week. That was cool. I really didn't want to have to go do that. So that was nice. I got exempted from it. Um, every Sunday, Fightful Select Weekender podcast talking the world of independent professional wrestling. Uh, once again, that's at FightfulSelect.com. Um, I did another show with Jesse re- recently. We're going to still try to keep that going at least like once a month. That's on her YouTube channel, Jesse Davin, if y'all want to check that out. And uh, yeah, anything I got going on, I just always keep updated on my Twitter at FightTalk underscore. Use code FightTalk on independentwrestling.tv. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll be back next week. And uh We'll see if anything pops up on the wrestling world that's worth talking about, and maybe you'll see some short videos of us discussing that as well. So uh, till next time, guys, thanks for tuning in. See ya. Thank you for tuning in to Live Rounds. Make sure you leave a like, leave a comment, and donate to Steven Jensen. He will read out your donations on the next week's show. Also, don't forget to follow Doug Bateman and Steven Jensen on Twitter. And if you like what you heard tonight, check out more Live Rounds episodes. 